This week on Invasion of the Podcast, the new Joker film is a wild card. We jump aboard the USS Butterscotch and set sail through the Starcourt Mall in Stranger Things 3. And is Steve an all-star when it comes to his baseball knowledge? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. Uh, we try to make all the listeners explode into a glob, and then we bring them all together, and then we try to attack people. That's really the goal of the show. That's to, what we've been doing this it, whole it time? make them eat a bunch of chemicals, and then just turn themselves inside out, and just become this big uh, you know, blob of people. To be fair, I eat chemicals all the time, and I'm a big blob. <laughs> all right. And so this blob here is named Paul, and then to my <laughs> left is uh, the more handsome blob, Steve. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'd like, be like, Steve, come on over. What are you like, Paul, what are you doing? I'm just eating a bunch of fertilizer. Just keep, just, <laughs> why? I got to go back. Where? Back to the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about Stranger Things Season 3. Uh, there will be spoilers. I'll, again, I'll put it in like the description of the show. If you guys have not watched it yet, I, it's just... You know, it's going to be hard to talk about that show without spoiling it. Plus, we're not, I'm not that nuanced to be like, oh, and then, other than saying, I liked it. Then that's it. Like, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say anything else. So, there's going to be spoilers there. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun talk. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. It, it, uh, it, it had quite the journey to become what it is. Uh, so, I'll tell that story briefly here. And then I'm, Steve had a much better weekend than I did. That is true. So, uh, you guys will realize that the show actually came up a few days later than, than normal, uh, if you're paying attention. And if you're just like, like listen, guys, I need that two-hour fix of you just spinning your wheels talking about whatever. And I just I needed it for the holiday. And I'm like, I'm sorry it didn't happen. So we recorded it Wednesday evening, uh, right after watching Spider-Man Far From Home. And I had all the intent of having it uploaded the next day. And I was dragging my feet a little bit. I'm like, I was going to go see Midsummer the next day on the 4th um, at like local theater, which I ended up doing going to go see. But I was like, oh, I can, I can go catch the 4 o'clock. And then in the meantime, I'm like, oh, I'll eventually get the, the show episode uploaded. As I was uploading it, I go to take a shower, come back, and the computer's just like off. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh. And it was like I was watching the little progress bar for a while, and it was like almost all the way there. Yeah. And then I come back, and it's just like everything's just off. And I'm like, well, that's not good. So I try turning on the computer a couple times. Doesn't come on. Don't even hear it booting. Like I hear the fan coming on, but that's it. Like nothing else. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a computer I've had for like seven years. It was, it was built from like pieces, parts, found at you know Micro Center, owned the cheap. That's all I had at the time. My friend built it for me. So it served its time, but I'm pretty sure that it was done. So then I'm like, I'll just take the hard drive out and I'll put it, I'll put it in another computer. Like, I understand how that works. Yeah. So I was like, that has to be easy. And I just, nope. Like, so I almost broke a, my, my other computer, my nicer one that I have being like, oh, this should just be just, it's like a Nintendo cartridge, right? You just put it in there. That was not the case. <laughs> so then, um, you know, I thought I ordered the right cable online, waited for it to be delivered. It wasn't the right cable. I, um, 
went through, went to the place that I know they'll answer my questions, hopefully without sarcasm, Facebook, and said, hey, guys, I'm having this problem with hard drive, trying to get my information from it. Uh, El Goro of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, which we've talked about before, he is a computer scientist. Um, he just, that's what he, he does. He knows computers and good movies and weightlifting and, and wrestling. It and sounds like he started his own religion. Yeah, computer probably. Scientist with computer scientists with weightlifting. With weightlifting. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, yeah, I, got, I think I got the right device. It's coming over. So um, so th- th- I went over to grab the device to, to, to get the hard drive up and running. And, and that worked. And it was great. I was able to recover the episode. In the meantime, I forgot to mention, I went out to buy a new computer just because I'm like, well, I'm going to get this whole thing started correctly. And maybe we could salvage the episode. So I go and buy a computer, bring it home. It doesn't power on, which is the same problem I have with my old computer. I'm like, Ugh. well, cool. I'm glad that I'm bought, I paid money for, like recently. So the next morning I had to get up, and that's uh, I, that's why I posted on Facebook. And you saw I asked the question <laughs> about uh, if you're one minute and like till the store opens, are you on time or are you early? And my wife says, I was, she says we were there early because we were there with one minute till the door opened. Yeah. And my argument is, no, it's one minute to 10. That's not early. That's on time for the play. And your, your argument was, I worked in retail. You were early. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the thing of people like unlocking the door. I wasn't staring. Like, yeah. There was already people in the store shopping and being helped. So I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know if they just either opened earlier or I misunderstood when the store opened. So I wasn't the first person in. Yeah, in a previous life, I worked retail at a Verizon uh, store um, that shall remain nameless. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> the location, but, uh, but not the not the company, I guess. You know, like, uh, yeah, we would get people who would show up early and then stand outside the door, and you know, because it's nothing but giant glass windows, the mm-hmm. very front of the store, and then just stare at us. Oh, the same thing happened when I worked at a Blockbuster. Like, yeah. thankfully, the location I worked at, our, our counter was really far removed from the front of the store, so I could do the whole like really pretending not to see them because <laughs> I was a ways back. Um, Here's a tip for you. Uh, that doesn't help you get in any sooner. Nope. People and it might make care. me drag my feet to where I might turn the key a minute later than I should. Yeah. Who knows? Because, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so I got the computer switched out. It came home. Well, I actually made sure that they, they turned it on in the store for me to be like, I'm not like, because this is on the east side. I live on the west side of Cleveland. I'm like, I don't want to make a second trip out here yeah. to do this. So so back and forth, picked up the the thing from the computer wizard, you know, Goro. Uh, that was like my whole Saturday was just running back and forth, switching everything out. Got the episode uploaded finally, and you know, I hope you guys in, in, enjoyed it. It's just uh, this, what this involved was multiple trips, buying a brand new computer, borrowing equipment. Like it was just it was a journey, and uh, yeah, I, I was able to save everything off my old hard drive with the exception of one program that I just can't get to work again. So oh, I'm, I'm, nice. Yeah, so I was more worried about like all that stuff, and then oh, there's wedding photos on there too. Oh, good, we saved them as well. <laughs> I'd forgotten about them. Do I'm you like, not oh. have those like on a cloud somewhere? Well, uh, we, I'm sure we have another backup, but I was like, I don't, I didn't know absolutely. So I have this um, external hard drive that I've been using to yeah. back up the show. Now there's a wedding photos folder in there too. So we're Makes good. Sense. We're good. So. Yeah, uh, we're we're now recording this on the brand new rig. I hope you guys can hear sound difference. Not really. Um, I'm hoping this is a little bit more stable because I think when you and I were recording on Wednesday, it was doing that thing where Audacity, the program we used to record, it looked like a garden hose that was just being kinked up, and then it would be like, <laughs> "Is it recording? Is it recording? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Fine. You know, I just release and start like showing data again. And so far, it looks been smooth and. Brand new computer. We love you. Thank you, new computer. And I hope you all enjoyed the fireworks show that we provided last episode. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I just, I, 
Yeah. I just we we kind of tried muting it halfway through by closing the window and then, <laughs> then melting. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We can't always control every single thing. It was a hot one last week. Yeah, it's it's still a little warm now, but I don't hear fireworks. I don't hear a real ice cream truck, so I think we're okay. So anyway, you had a much better weekend than I did. I did have a much better weekend than you did. Um, I got to see Weird Al in concert. Oh, he's um, gonna be like in person. Like, well, in person too. I, but I saw him <laughs> in concert at uh, Playhouse Square over the weekend. I guess that mean it would be in person. But I like the idea of like, oh, I, I saw We Are this weekend. We just hung out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't get to hang out with him. But uh, uh, I had never seen him live, and I am not exaggerating when I say actually probably one of the best shows I've ever been to. Oh, I thought you'd seen him before. No, okay, I hadn't. that's I've forgotten that because I've seen him twice. Yeah. Um. So you, you know, I'm still cooler than no, not really. In uh, in line though, I ran into friend of the show Jeff Ritchie. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was stoked. I so saw, I saw him. him in person. You did see him in person. That's true. Um, so uh, this was his um, like the orchestra backed mm-hmm. one, right? The strings attached, where it's a little bit higher class, weird out, but I'm sure it was still just as goofy. Yeah. So what was fun was is uh, uh, there was a um, instead of an opening act, the symphony actually just played. Oh. Um, they played four songs. They played the March from Raiders of the Lost Ark. They played the Mission Impossible theme song. I thought of you, Kevin. Over and over again. Um, they played the theme from Superman, and then they played the uh, end credits from Star Wars. So oh. uh, there was like a mini, like just you know, movie spectacle of you know uh, songs that were played. Then there was an intermission, and then Weird Al came out. So um, he put on one hell of a show. The amount of costume changes that he did was ridiculous. He rode the Segway out onto the stage and was riding it around while Night and while White and Nerdy was playing. Hmm. Um, the only like caveat that I have about the show that was a downer was whoever was doing the sound should have been shot. Oh no. Because sometimes Weird Al was real down, like it, the volume was down. Sometimes it was so high up that like it almost hurt my eardrums a little bit. He sounded amazing. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like he I, He's a great performer. Just hands out. Like my wife Kathy, she doesn't know his music nearly as well as I do, and she's like not knowing his song. She's like, I still immensely enjoyed it. She's like, he put on such a great show. He did um, "Smells Like Nirvana" and did a full costume change into the Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" style clothing. Uh, he did white nerdy dressed uh, like he was in the video on a Segway, which you're just like, who who does that? That's crazy. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what else he did. Um, he did um, one of my favorite songs, the um, largest ball of twine in Minnesota. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, did he dress up like biggest ball of twine? Did in he Minnesota. dress up like a ball of twine? He did not, but there was uh, <laughs> um, photographs of the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota playing on the background. Nice. <laughs> um, he did uh, oh full Devo get up for Dare to Be Stupid. So like you know the video, they're with all dressed the, like the, the yellow debut. thing yeah. with the the flower pot hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was just, it was really great. There was no Michael Jackson music for probably obvious reasons. Yeah, there was a recent article where he's like, yeah, probably not the best time for that right yeah. now. And so, um, you know, rightfully so. I mean, it, it, if if Jackson hadn't given him permission to do those songs, I don't think Weird Al would be where he is now. Yeah. I mean, so that's the truth. But, you know, also, you don't go still celebrating i it's it's yeah. it's tricky but i i don't blame him for not doing that 
right now. Um, he said, you know, he said, I still have the fat suit. It might come out later, but for right now, <laughs> let's put away. But when you talk about his costume changes, the two shows I saw him at, that just, it's like he has this thing down to a science of like a clockwork. Like, so he doesn't do a whole lot of stage banter in terms of like between songs, like unless it's scripted or something he's already prepared. He does a little bit. Well, not, he doesn't do so much, but he did go out and like, he, he'd yell like, you know, drum solo. And like, it would be like, I don't know, 10 seconds of drums and then he would run back on the stage and it's like how did he do that so fast yeah. you know um, I think he did a bass solo as well that was like literally like four notes um, which was really impressive uh, he did a full costume change into a Jedi outfit for the encore which was uh, the, the begins, begins and Yoda, and Yoda yeah. um, which those were both incredible to see uh, live I was just I was blown away I, I was blown away by like how good he was but also just that you know, as somebody who's only really rediscovered the wonder of Weird Al in the last probably like three or four years, it was just amazing uh, getting to experience that. And That's I, awesome. I told Kathy, I'm like, if he comes back again, I'm like, I want to get tickets. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wanted to go. It just it just wasn't lining up. Um, yeah. but, I mean, clearly, I was in the middle of computer hell. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I like not even the cool like Jeff Bridges and Tron, where I'm like, what's going on? I end up in the computer. It's just, you know. Um, yeah, like I like what we saw him a few years ago. Actually, it was one of the first episodes of the show we talked about. It was the mandatory mandatory fun tour when he went to he came to oh Nautica here in Cleveland, and uh, yeah, it was it was Mary's first time seeing it, and it was just it's a, just a, a delight. And when I but when you say this is one of the best shows you've probably seen live, I agree. Like that's it sounds like it's the easy like oh Weird Al is the best. No, he is just he just performs and does such a good job, and like he just. For someone that could easily just coast on just being like, I'm the parody guy. Like he's just such a showman, and yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. That I remember. Um, what was it before he went into? Either it was either before the encore or right after the encore. He was like, "Okay, guys, why well, I gotta go?" You know, and and then he'd be like, "He's I don't know if he did this for your show, but he was like, okay, do you guys want more?'" And everyone's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Do you really want more?" They're like, "Yeah." He's like, "I just told you I have to go." He did that. <laughs> like, yeah. <it's> so like, <laughs> Like I, so, I thought that was funny. Where he's like just baiting everybody. Like I just, I literally just said, I have to leave. Like what was fun too was uh, when he was doing costume changes for the big numbers. <clears throat> they would show clips of him and other things on the big screen, like some so, of his interview stuff and everything that he would do. Yeah, like there was a clip. I, I don't remember where this is from. It's got to be. It had to be in the eighties, and it must have been for like MTV or something. But it was him interviewing Madonna. Oh, and she's like looking up the whole time, and he's like. What, what are you looking at? Like, and I'm sure it's like a stage thing. I'm sure it was somebody else interviewing Madonna. And he would do this thing where he would take these MTV interviews because he would do uh, Al TV, and he would um, take these like existing interviews, and then just he would just shoot a background of himself that looks similar. Yeah, and he would just like p put his questions around it. Uh, like, like he did one with Eminem. That was really, really funny where, because like Eminem kept saying, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I know what you're saying. But, you know, we got we got a clip of the fire hose from UHF. We got the clip of him getting off the plane in uh, Naked Gun. Naked Gun. <laughs> uh, the episode of The Simpsons where Marge uses him as a uh, way to con 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 yeah, connect with Homer. Connect yeah, with Homer, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were like a lot of great little beats that were like thrown in between while he was doing costume changes, but the the clips in total couldn't have been more than like a minute or two and it's like he changed into a completely different outfit. Yeah, and it's ready to go and it's yeah. ready to go. Yeah, it's ridiculous like so. No, I'm glad you had fun. And I'm, now that I realize it was your first show of his, like yes, like it just everybody used to go see Weird Al live and I feel like he 
he may, you know, he's been touring a lot recently, like, cause he did, um, the originals tour thing that he did like last year where it was yeah. just him playing all his original works, which I missed that Wanted to go see that. And then mandatory fun right before that. I think he's more focused on just having like these experiences as opposed to like putting out music at this point. Cause he said there these, he says he's, he's not done with parodies, but you know, that's not exactly where he's at anymore. And I'm like, that's fine. Keep touring. People are going to be delighted. And I, you know, like I, I think also from the perspective of a lot of bands, if they make money touring now, it's there isn't as much money to be made in releasing music as there is being able to go out on tour for a year. Yeah. And, you know, uh, selling out to, you know, uh, theaters and things like that. So, yeah. All right. So, all right. So, Steve had a much better weekend and, um, and we have a computer that's recording stuff now. So, all right. Way to go. So, let's just get to some news. everyone so the new joker film that's coming out in the fall uh todd phillips the guy who did the hangover films has stated that this joker film is not going to follow anything from the comics it's going to be its own thing which i pretty much gathered from the trailer (laughs) yeah i I would i would agree with that that it's going to be its own thing but i could so um the the so the story here then is basically uh are you excited for someone to be like, you know, this has always existed. We we're going to do something different and acknowledge that this is not going to follow the comics or are you hesitant? Because if you go so far off the reservation, then you might lose like what people's interest is in that character to begin with. So when it comes to comic book movies, most of the time they're not straight adaptations anyways. Mm -hmm. They're original stories. Uh, They do take things from the comics which I, I can't imagine that we're not going to see something from the comics in this movie. Not I'm not saying a plot point or, or anything in, in that regard, but there's you know 80 years worth of material. Like I can't imagine some of it not making its way into the film. But you know, I guess I, I don't I don't want to say that because simply, when you look at the film or any comic book film, you know, there's so much to choose from material wise that there is a lot of bad to choose from as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I was one of the few people who wasn't like overwhelmed by the, or overwhelmed is not the correct word. I cannot think tonight. Um, it's, it's the heat people. It's the heat. It's the heat. Um, well, it's the heat, and then um, people you know. were were really falling in love with that trailer, and I was just kind of left cold by it. I think it's an interesting looking trailer, mm-hmm. and I warmed to it a little bit more the more I watched it. Um, and I don't need to see them do like a straight adaptation of the Killing Joke, which they did in animated form, but even that they added things to. Um, it's real. It's it's hard for me to say like, oh, it should be you know more material from comics. At the same time, I will say that I think comic adaptations do better when they take directly from the comics instead of trying to create something. You know, when you have you know a Josh Brolin level Thanos versus a cloud based Galactus from the second Fantastic <laughs> Four film. Yeah. One of those works a lot better than the other. Yeah, so I guess the counterpoint, I would not that I counterpoint to your argument, but to people who are anxious about this, uh, people pretty much accept Heath Ledger's version of the Joker as like not canon now, but as like a big influence oh, on yeah. on the comics and the Joker character going forward. Uh, but that character really didn't exist in that like that kind of idea until it showed up in the Nolan film. 
So this is it's almost it's almost the same thing where it's like yeah. you know d- just because the origin in this film may you know may not be the same and it may not be all but Ledger Heath Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight it, you never learned his name like his his origin story was never really there because that was kind of the point uh, and he was like anarchy incarnate you know and and people loved it and it's like no one questioned like well that's not the joker i know that's not caesar romero that's like you're right it's not it's not jack nicholson now with Mm -hmm. this it's like you know i I guess the big thing is that if if you straight up say this isn't going to be that which is fine i i give todd phillips and joaquin phoenix all the credit that they want to do something different i just worry that a lot of the people that have now been coming to these films that enjoy these comic book movies, and maybe this is their only interaction they have with the, this, this, these characters in these universes are going to be expecting something that they're not going to get. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be helpful or hurtful, you know, like people are gonna be like, well, that's, that's not the Joker. And it's like, they're going to be missing the point of the film, but I just don't know. I don't know how you advertise this, to make everybody happy because you're not. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going for an art house feel with the film anyway, and that's not always a wide appeal anyway when it comes to modern audiences. But, um, you know, I kept saying, you know, I don't know how you do a Joker without Batman. You can do it technically, yes, but it's like I always use the comparison of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I can eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the peanut butter, <laughs> but I would rather have the peanut butter there as well. Um, and my understanding is is that I haven't seen Venom yet, but it's the greatest comic book movie ever. So <laughs> that had no Spider-Man in it. So I, it worked out yeah. well for them, and it made like a billion dollars. Um, but when it comes to... I, I, Here's the thing. Everything that you said is a better way of putting what I was trying to say. It really was. I, I got hung up on whatever, but... Um, when it comes to comic book adaptations, I really don't like it when a, and again, this isn't coming from Todd Phillips, but, um, unless it was a direct quote from him, but I'm not really a fan of when people who are making the movies talk down to the comics or are like, well, this is an original version of of it. We've just done it better. Or, you know, we're we're creating something out of whole cloth because we just couldn't find anything in that eighty years that was really worth. And taking I'd, from. I'd feel like um, it was uh, Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan that did the the screenplay for Dark Knight. I think they 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 took their time thinking about what they, what they so they looked at the history and was like, what do we want to do with this and what can we pluck from this? If you look at Batman Begins and you know, to a lesser extent, yes, Dark Knight, but like. There are tons of the ideas from the comics that are in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be Lucius Fox being a big player at Wayne Tech to um, the way that the tech is developed to um, Batman training under, uh, I can't remember, I think it's Henri Descartes is the name that yeah, Ra- Raja Raja, Ghoul, right? Raja Ghoul yeah. uses. Uh, there's a ton of that influence there. Um, but... I guess I just always hesitate whenever it seems like it's being talked down to. Mm-hmm. Like, um, this is our original idea for the Joker, and you know we we are presenting something new, and that's fine. Maybe they're not doing that in a shitty way. Maybe they're just saying like, "Hey, this is a new version of the Joker, and we're doing our own thing with it." Well, because if this was a graphic novel on its own and just existed as like a like an Elseworlds thing, I think people would be like, "Oh, okay, that's a different take." I think comics because there's like there's all these different like you know shades and worlds that 
I think the readers can be ready for that. I just think for a film, especially with, and I'm not, again, this movie might be great. I, I'm not, I, I don't have an opinion either way yet. Um, but with the way Warner brothers is like, like uh, gung ho with one idea, like how they're going to, they're going to out Marvel Marvel. And then they just shit the bed. But then, as they're sitting in the bed, they end up putting out Wonder Woman, which is a wonderful film, no pun intended. And a lot of people like Aquaman. Like, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it seems it sounds like dumb fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like they're starting to cut. And then Shazam, people like that a great deal, too. So it's like they started finding what works, but then they're like, oh, but now we're going to do this this Joker movie. It's all its own, its own thing. Oh, but we're going to do this, too. I, I don't have a problem with them. They can spend their money however they want. Um, it just it just seems odd that they're 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 going this route without... It just there's no focus, and so my question to you would be like, what if, what if, what if after this Joker film comes out, or like Warner Brothers is like, hey filmmakers, you guys can reimagine whatever character you want, and do your own. Well, you can call. We're going to have a film called Green Arrow, but it's just it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be about an archer. It's just going to be about this guy, you know, who happens just to, you know, he. His name is Green Arrow. I don't know, and he's he's just a litigation lawyer or something like I don't know, like you know, but but he always he always hits his mark with his litigation. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like I don't I don't know, like this movie's called The Flash and it deals with a pervert. I don't know, like, well, I, like I think when the uh, I think when the trailer came out, I think I spoke about the fact that I was kind of left cold to it and I needed to give it another chance just because you know it was so far from what I was expecting, and I think also you know. With the exception of Wonder Woman, I haven't seen Aquaman. I hear it's good. I haven't seen Shazam. I hear it's good. Um, the DC films have sort of left me cold and uh, not cold. Have left a, a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, even Justice League, which I sort of was like, yeah, okay, it's not the worst movie ever. Like that was the be- best. <laughs> the just okay league. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was the best critique I could give it of it um, or review of it. But when I look at this, you know. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that like I walk out of that theater. I'm like, damn it, they did it. This is this is amazing. Like you're gonna do like the slow clap walking out of the theater. Yeah, like <laughs> I really I I want to be surprised. I want to fall in love with it. Um, you know, but at the same time, I just I don't like it when they go out of their way to be like, this is nothing from the comic book stuff. You know, we've. Yeah. It's it's that almost that argument of the elevated horror. Yeah, like, it's like, you know, this is not a comic book film. This is a drama in which somebody wears face makeup and they laugh and they're like a clown, but they're angry, but they're also doing crime. Nothing to do with the comic book whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I, I see. But anyway, I'm sure we learn more about this as we go along. We'll, we'll probably this 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 conversation will still evolve uh, until the film comes out, and then whatever else is announced after that, other people are gonna be like, hey. What if Booster Gold's about a guy to steal shit? Like, okay, cool. You know, he just, he just steals <laughs> well, I mean, gold cars. God willing, you know, the next time we talk about it, I'm a little bit more articulate. But, you know, to your point about them reimagining things, you know, in a different light, you know, I, comics do it all the time. You know, there's been how many different origins of, say, like Hawkman or, you know, how many different flashes have we gone through now? How yeah. many, you know, different versions of characters have we gone through? Like, I, I'm totally okay with that. Um, I just, I don't like it when it, it's that, when it's done with that sort of condescending tone. That's that um, I, that's valid, I, yeah. I, I will also say that sometimes I don't like it when actors, like, present it as you know, oh, I did all this research. I bought eighty comics, you know, and I read them all. And like, this is such a textured character. And it's like, 
are you still reading comics afterwards? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's it's a tough edge to to walk for me because um, I feel like, uh, you know, as Brody Bruce once said, you know, we can smell our own. And there's nothing worse than like a fake comic book celebrity or yeah. a celebrity who is like faking being a comic book fan just because. But yeah, that's fair. So all right, I'm sure we'll we'll have more as we go along here. No, uh, I have yeah. more. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No. Uh, so next story here, uh, you brought this to my attention. So the the video game Cuphead, which is uh, has sold four million copies since it came out, and I bought one of them, and then the game beat the shit out of me, and I didn't finish it. And by didn't finish it, I mean I barely got into it because the game is blisteringly hard. Um, but people love Cuphead. Like it's been, I I did not expect to, the, this tiny indie game that is like a throwback to like um, like forties and fifties and well like thirties and forties animation, mm-hmm. like the the actual hand drawn. It's really really cool looking game. Really, yeah. it's a beautiful game. Um, and it, it, I just did expect it to blow up as big as it did. There's you go to Hot Topic. There's Cuphead merchandise. There's you know shirts, Funko Pops, everything. Like it's you know Cuphead cereal. I don't know, uh, but. I'm in Hot Topic all the time. I I do go to Hot Topic because they, you know, I just feel old. I do too, and they they're always weirdly humid. Do you ever notice that? Like, I know we're sitting in this this, this office right now, sweating, but like, you go to the mall, it's temperature controlled. Then you go into Hot Topic with their bare concrete floor, and you're in there for a second. And you're like, why? Why does it feel like it's damp? But I'm also sweating. Do you? This is weird. I'm like, I couldn't work in there. I would just go nuts. Like, yeah. also the the aisles are so tiny, and plus, I'm also not like a, a 20 year old girl that you know, like that just that's that's all it works there. Like, it, yeah. You know, um, I just I I know somewhere in my thirties, whenever I'd walk into a, a, a hot topic, I'd be like, wow, oh, I I just I feel really out of place here and old, and <laughs> a lot of this stuff is stuff that I'm into, but for some reason it doesn't feel like it's for me anymore. So yeah, yeah, and it's just like, oh look, there's a Mega Man skirt. Well, I mean, I don't wear skirts, but I, I it's a Mega Man skirt. <laughs> I uh, might wear it in this. Community. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's like, man, it's sweaty in here. Uh, so, and then there's always the people that are just like, you know, they don't give you space as they walk around. And look, it's like I get it. I know you're here in this tiny store. Can you just? There's another way around. It's fine. You don't have like you don't have to go walking right by me. Anyway, um, so bunch of bunch of Cuphead stuff out there, and so now they've announced uh, that there's going to be a Netflix animated series, uh, and I think that's awesome because this is not only is this a, pro- uh, a property that was independently you know originally started and blown up, you know good on these guys that started this the studio MDHR, uh, and it was like only two guys I think um, that were really behind it to begin with. Um, I think it's cool because. Of the old school animation style, I'm sure the series will, will follow that as well. There's so much animation history there that they're, they're like, I, if this blows up, then I don't know. I just feel like there's something here where, uh, because it was re- looking backwards and, and updating it, then it, it kind of feels like that stuff has never really died. I know, I know, we see older animation, and Disney always has the Steamboat Willie at the beginning of their animated films now, and you see, but. I just don't think of like the younger generation being excited for this like hand drawn style of animation. So yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, and you know, the younger generation is usually wrong anyway. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Well, and and, um, and and actually point out by this uh, article that Netflix already has the Witcher series in production. It's actually shooting right now with a. Uh, uh, Superman in the lead of that. Um, oh. um, what's his name? Uh, Henry Cavill mm-hmm. is in the lead on The Witcher, which I know you don't know that series, but no. it was a series of novels that still exists, and there's a series of really successful games, and it's it's like a fantasy series, like a, like a dark fantasy. Oh. So Netflix is taking chances. They actually have the animated Castlevania show, too, 
that is, uh, you know, um, I know the second season's out. I've been so bad. The first season was a lot of fun. Like, Steve, you don't need to know anything about Castlevania to watch it. It's like old school vampires and hunting and monsters and stuff. And it's really cool. It looks like anime, like like manga. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So Yeah, I... I uh... I don't think I ever got past like the third level on Castlevania 30 years ago, and I think that's where my Castlevania knowledge stops. Yeah, you don't need um, that to watch uh, this one of the Belmonts who's just a, a drunken idiot like go fight monsters, you know. Like, but I, I will say, um, you know, I think of you know wonderful shows that were produced off of animated uh, off of video games like um, Pole Position. You remember that one in the 80s? <laughs> I don't remember the cartoon. Yeah, there's a Pole Position cartoon. Was it just constantly like like right turns and, and cars flying off and hitting billboards? It was a racing show pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you know, uh, it's like it's... oh no, the tires are turning red. Oh no. <laughs> there was the uh, Mario and Luigi show starring uh, Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. It, um, it, it's do the Mario. <laughs> I used to watch that every uh, morning because Monday through Thursday was the Mario show, and then Friday was Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah, um, and I remember and like the Mario show, like they it was always some weird level they'd go to that didn't like there was a gangster level at one point. They but they always said like a music like montage in it, like using like a commonly known song. Oh, wow! I don't know how much you ever watched the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I have vague memories of it, but I have not revisited it. And probably it's probably years. not good, but yeah. it was yeah, it was they had the little wraparounds of Mario and Luigi. You're right. Uh, that yeah, I mean there was Captain N. There was um, oh the Pac Man had a cartoon there for a bit. He did S- the Space Ace. Um, uh, the other one with Dirk the Daring. What's it? What's it? <laughs> Dragon's Lair. Dra- yeah, the bigger one, Dragon's Lair. Uh, yeah. Why did I come up with Space Ace but not Dragon's yeah. Lair? That's weird. Well, my my question is on this is uh, because you can play the game and it looks like animation, is there room for there to be just straight animation where the viewer does not have any involvement? Like, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, the benefit of video games is, is that it, it takes a property that you already love and puts you in the middle of it, or not even a property that you love, but it takes you and gives you a completely different experience than a movie or an animated series. Uh, working backwards, are kids going to watch this and be like, I'd rather play the game than watch this? Or do you think... Well, if, it if it's like me, if, engaging, if, if the series is anything like the game, I'll get two minutes in and it'll tell me I can't go further <laughs> i don't have to keep retrying the first two minutes of the series um no i like my argument for that would be the south park games the two that they have come out the stick of truth and the fractured butthole where they look identical to the tv show but i know the show's been around for you know 20 years plus um and it's like yeah you get a chance to play south park kids but I, that would never keep me from watching more south park you know like yeah i guess i i'm thinking of the younger generation the kids who are you know in high school and playing the game or younger maybe um, i don't know I, I think there's a certain amount of sometimes that you want to you want to play a game sometimes you just want to watch something like mm-hmm. I'll, if 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 a blizzard put out like an actual overwatch tv show uh, yeah i'd be like yeah yeah I'll, I'll play overwatch but now i could watch some overwatch so because okay. they have animated shorts they put out for that and i mean for christ's sake i end up watching um pro overwatch games too so i have a problem but i'm just saying if there was an actual series which people have been asking for i would watch it because i they build this interesting world and i think you could still tell there could be some expansion of the world and it doesn't have to be tied to game mechanics where cuphead you know i don't know like what how big they're going to go with it but I'm sure that the story it tells in the game is simple because it's supposed to be kind of a throwback to these two these two kids uh, inadvertently selling their soul to the devil and trying to get you know get it back by going out and taking out collecting debts 
mm-hmm. on these other these other like you know animated figures. So it's not the most convoluted of stories. I, so I'm sure that this they have the chance now to build a, a world, and then from here it could spin out to other projects, other games, other things. So people might be excited for the world of Cuphead. I don't know. Well, I hope so. I, I, I wasn't saying that in a derogatory way. I was just ask, asking the question. If that's... No, I got off your lawn. I get it. It's fine. No, it's just like, no. Oh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I just... Um, Damn kids. For as much as I feel like, and we talked about this a lot before we started recording, about how with the streaming markets right now, the different streaming services, how this pie is getting like cut up so so thin now that like Netflix is losing a lot of bigger shows, so they're leaning more into the original content for good and for bad. Uh, and what makes us hypocrites, we're about to talk about Stranger Things here in a minute. Um, makes you a hypocrite. It makes me a hypocrite. It doesn't make yeah. you a hypocrite. <laughs> uh, I feel like you can still take chances on something like this on a streaming service because it's going to be bingeable that day. You can watch all of them. And then people either like it or they don't. And in either way, you have one more title in your library that's going to be available. And then also... I think that that you can take bigger chances with these different projects with this type of service versus like broadcast television. Like if they did a Cuphead cartoon for Saturday morning, like that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Saturday mornings were banned. Yeah. Um, they're no longer allowed. Here come the cops. Because they're mad that I didn't come up with Dragon's Lair first. They're just like, you said Space Here Age. Here come the right? video game police. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the video game police, they, they would arrest me so many times a day. They'd be like, I'm sorry, Paul, you cannot function playing video games. So yeah, Cuphead's coming. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and all, yeah, it also mentions here that uh, there's a Halo live action series coming to Showtime as well. So, oh. you know, we might be finally getting into an era in which video games are translated to interesting media like TV shows and movies. With however they figured out the magic of doing with comic book films, video game movies have kind of stumbled, mm-hmm. and video game properties have kind of stumbled. Uh, like I said, Castlevania is great, but it that that's the exception, not usually what goes on. So maybe we're starting to get closer to that. Maybe you know. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's it for that story. Steve has he has a secret story for me. I so, do, yeah. I do. Um, I I like to you know bring all the class I possibly can to the show. So the third story this evening is uh, the headline is loud fart gives way suspects hiding spot to police. So I had a secret story for you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> what was the story I had here? Oh, the suspects loud fart helps police sniff out his hiding place. <laughs> I, so the best part about this is that steve's like i have a secret story it's a little lowbrow i'm like no i was like i mine's lowbrow too <laughs> <laughs> we both found the same uh secret story to bring to the table oh it's this is a gift of the magi situation yes. yeah <laughs> I, know, I like it because this guy's hiding he just rips one and the cops like what and they just found him um yeah you know, I, I guess if you're hiding and you, and you fart loud enough to get arrested, then you deserve it. Like, I just, that's but it's it. But that, it's that classic thing of, like, <laughs> I know that if I had to live in the world of the quiet place, I'd be dead within a day. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, in all honesty, I know I would be. And, like, you know, I, I have a feeling, like, if I was hiding from the police, this would be, <laughs> this would be something that would happen to me. Because, like, I don't know, have, have I told the fireworks story from when I was a kid? No. Okay. Uh, I'm probably somewhere between 12 and 13, maybe 14. Um, I'm not in high school yet, but um, shooting off fireworks with my brother, who's five years older than me, uh, with some of his friends in a crick behind our house. Uh, cops show up. I have like half a brick of firecrackers in my my uh, in my pocket. <laughs> I, when everybody runs away, I run right up to the police. (laughs) 
So I am clearly not very bright, and I would not be a good criminal. So if I was hiding from the police, I guarantee you something would happen, whether it be me cutting a gigantic fart or <laughs> belching loudly or me just walking right up to him and being like, hey, guys, uh, heard you were... Oh, and that was the best part was... Uh, um, like I don't know who's shooting up fireworks, and then they pat me down. They're like, "What are all these fireworks doing in your pocket?" <laughs> I'm like, um, I, I used them to scare away the people who were out here. So yeah, I, I've never been one who's been good with uh, the law enforcement angle of, uh, of of hiding from the police, if you will, or uh, not even hiding because that's that's really my only real entanglement with the police in my life, but. I would not be a good criminal, I guess, is a better way of putting I, it. I feel like anytime you, like, you see a situation involving like stress or like fear, like uh, you see like a scary movie where someone's like hiding under the bed and the killer's walking around. Oh, yeah. My inclination right then and there is like, I just, I, I, uh, whenever I get like really freaked out, it's like, I have to go, I have to, I have to like take a piss. I have to go like have that scare pee. And I just know that what would happen is like, I'd be like, just, just hiding under the bed and just being like, no, 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 no. And, like, I'm just be, <laughs> like, I'd reveal myself. They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm definitely not pissing myself under this bed. No, no, I, nope, not scared at all. No, nope, I don't, that, you pissed yourself, not me. Like, that's exactly what would happen. I remember one time in college, uh, Buddy and I had just gone to Taco Bell and, <laughs> And we were walking out, and just to be funny, like I let like a gigantic one <laughs> rip. And uh, little unbeknownst to me, right behind me was some woman who was just walking to her car. <laughs> and my buddy's like, "Good one." And I turn around, I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Uh, she did not acknowledge me, and then got in the car. <laughs> but like, ma'am. I apologize, but could you at least tell me like how amazing was that? Like you know, like you don't you don't go to the Louvre and not comment on the art. Come on, you know. <laughs> like, I, I realize that deep down, I'm just a ten year old child in a forty four year old man's body, but it'll never not be funny to me. So there was a story. I remember whenever like um, was it um, L A L A Gear had like the the lights and the the heels and everything oh, and the, yeah. the shoes. There was a story of this of this guy running away from the cops. And he ran into the, the woods, and the cops saw him, and they just went to the other side of the woods and waited for him because he had the lights on his shoes, and they just saw <laughs> where he was going. So, yeah, I just, <laughs> the fact, like, this guy, like, we just, we talked the story last week about the guy breaking into, like, uh, you know, the restaurant and making food for himself. Like, you know this guy, like, he probably robbed a Taco Bell, like, something, yeah. like, just like, haha, they'll never catch me, and I'm glad I stocked up on all these beans for fuel, you know, <laughs> this will provide me the power I need, and then, like, you know, like, oh, you know. Like you, you just know the cops are just like, like, like one of them probably said, "Are you shitting me?" It's probably what he said, and they want to cop the guy. You know, like I just, jeez, uh, man, I, it's I, it's a funny story, but I think it's funny. I think it's wonderful that we both found the same one to bring to each other. Yes. So, all right, um, that's all I got. Like you know, like if you're going to if you're going to do crime, don't fart. I think that's the big thing to remember. So that's that's my... or if you're going to fart, don't do crime. <laughs> yeah. You know, like just pass gas, not a uh, not judgment. That no, doesn't make sense. Uh, unless you're you can pass judgment if you're that lady in the parking lot that Steve uh, that Steve uh, d- crop dusted. Uh, so. All right. Um, yeah. The, now that we've gotten the lowbrow stuff out of the way, let's just let's just get on to our discussion about Stranger Things season three. Before I hit our our little transition button, I'm going to throw one of these in here. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Just turn back, turn turn the USS Butterscotch back, because um, these waters are going to be filled full of spoilers. So, all right, let's just let Stranger Things three. 
And now for our feature presentation. All right, uh, Stranger Things season three. We we had talked previously on the show about Stranger Things season two. It was actually one of the first uh, regular episodes that you were on for. Yeah, uh, and, and Steve passed the test. No, uh, so um, I got the job. Got the job. Uh, Pay's been lousy, but he he understood that going in. Uh, I get paid. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we're done now. <laughs> like, like, right, quick, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know how to, how to start this other than uh, I feel like. There was a lot of people excited for this season. I mean, me included. Um, but it, it feels like because after the big, like pop culture swell there was for Game of Thrones, like I feel like people are looking for that big thing now to jump onto to talk about. And I feel mm-hmm. like maybe Stranger Things is going to get some of that brunt. Um, I have been reading some stuff online. There's people that have loved the season. Some people think it was garbage. I I don't know what people were expecting. Um, when when season two ended. It ended on a pretty definitive note in the sense of like, you know, um, everybody's kind of okay. Uh, Eleven and Mike are together. Like it, this, it, like, it was a nice, like, sweet moment, but there was the threat looming. Mm-hmm. Had the series just ended there, it would have been fine. It would have been like, oh, well, things are never going to be completely right in Hawkins. But we got most of the character stuff in there. Um, so... With this, like you get you, you have the third season was announced, it's like so. How, where do you go? How do, how do you handle this? Um, so, I, d- I didn't know what my expectations were. I, I liked that the the second season was centered around like October around Halloween, and this one was set during the Fourth of July. And because Netflix again, they could do whatever they want, decide to release those seasons around those times. Yeah, that felt kind of like that felt kind of interesting. Where it's like, oh, it's Fourth of July. I'm sweating on my couch and barely able to hear this because of fireworks. But it fits. So, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I guess my point is, is that what were your did you have any any hesitations going into season three? Did you think that season two like how, what were your feelings at the end of the, the second season? I know I'm sure we can go back and listen to that episode. I forget what we talked about other than pumpkins needing to die. Um, yeah. Thoughts. So I thought that it, that season two, I thought was a. I don't want to say an improvement over the first season, but I felt it went to the next logical place. I felt that like it felt like a continuation of the story. It felt very much like a part two in the sense that, and look, writers will tell you that they have things planned out when sometimes they think they haven't planned out and a story takes them in a completely different way. Maybe the writers of Stranger Things have, you know, I think they said they're only planning on five seasons, but I could be wrong. Um, maybe they already know the end point. I mean, I know that Lost, from the very first episode, they knew exactly where they were going, and there was never a deviation. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was like, what did you read? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I felt that, like, two felt like a natural progression for the show. I thought it improved on things that were in the first season, and it opened the story up even more. Um, this one... my Okay, so going back to expectations... My expectation was just, oh, well, great, more Stranger Things. I wasn't looking forward to it in the sense that, like, I'm going to use Star Wars as my anticipation factor. Like, you know, when The Force Awakens came out, I was probably ready to explode. Like, I just could not <laughs> wait to get in, get in the theater and watch just that. Just pushing kids over in yeah. line. Yeah. Just- uh, but with Stranger Things, you know, I I was excited for it, and I was definitely feeling the hype, and we'll talk about product placement and all that stuff later. But I I wasn't 
I wasn't looking down on it, but I wasn't also like, this is going to be the greatest thing I've ever seen. I wasn't putting, you know, expect uh, like a unfair expectation on it. Where I landed on the season, honestly, was I thought it was just an okay season. I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was garbage. Um, I felt like it spun its wheels in a few places. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it, it opened the mythology up the same way that the second season did. Um, and I don't think it took us to a new place. It took us to a place that we've kind of already been. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so it's, it's, uh, I knew this was coming. Obviously, they advertised it, but it's been over a year since the previous season. Again, much like Game of Thrones, where there's like, you know, the absence of the, you know, the heart, uh, you know, absence make the heart grow fonder, right? So, um, and whenever we were talking about covering on the show, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's coming. And I, it's, it wasn't because I wasn't aware of the date, I just didn't think about it. Um, and in a way, I guess that worked for its benefit because I wasn't just staring at the clock waiting for it to kick over and be like, now Stranger Things time. But I, there, there is a certain rhythm to this show that once it gets going, it's really easy to watch, like back to back to back to back, right? And I found myself like after... After watching Midsummer, which is a completely different experience and a different film altogether, because I watched it that the same day my computer died, RIP, you know, whatever. Uh, that's like this, like just very serious. Like there's there's jokes in it, but the intent of that film is way more serious than something like Stranger Things. My understanding is it's very elevated. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very illuminated. <laughs> that's probably that's an accurate thing. Uh, it's funny that you didn't hear me talk about Midsummer my my uh, my weekend because I did see it and. Like I liked it. I'm glad that you didn't talk about it though, because I haven't seen it. Oh so. well, I wasn't going to ruin it. I'm just saying that like I liked it, but like every, there's people I know that are just like over the moon about it. I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I liked it, and I don't know where to go with it from there. Yeah. And once you watch it, we'll talk about it. But anyway, so having that experience, having that very intense experience in the theater, and then coming back and watching Stranger Things, they're different things. Um, so it's it, it's not this isn't like an apples to apples comparison. However. Uh, there are serious points in the story. I think there's more serious character points in this the season than the story itself because when you get down to it, it the the bulk of it is man. The '80s were just Russians just wanted to destroy everything, and it's like it was a fun way to take it. Where it's like, oh, we had you know the um, Department of Energy. I think they were the, the the people running the lab in Hawkins the first two seasons, and then messing with you know what what we know is the upside down. And then once shit starts going wrong again, not only is it the Russians causing the problems, the Russians literally have like a deep underground base, this hugely significant like structure. That's in the middle of Hawkins with a mall on top of it. It is the most ridiculous, like '80s, like fever dream thing, and I had fun with that. So I, I'm curious to know. Um, you've mentioned before where you grew up was a fairly rural area, correct? Yeah. We had three stoplights guys- until the Walmart showed up. Now we have four. Okay, so you, so you did not have a mall growing up? Well, yes and no. Uh, like, I mean. You know, I saw pictures of them in books. No, that's not true. Uh, (laughs) I heard heard about them stores all stuck together with the food in the middle. I don't know. I have somewhere that I want to go with that (laughs) question. So I'm just saying that, like, was a mall a big part of your childhood growing up? A little bit. I mean, we we would lose uh, people on the way back and forth because the trek was so long. No. Uh, (laughs) So where I grew up, there there wasn't a mall in my county. However, there were malls adjacent. So it was about a half hour drive. Okay. Up in, like... 
treacherously, you know, windy roads and shit. But yeah, there there was um oh Meadowbrook Mall uh, and Middletown Mall and like Morgantown Mall. Uh, those were all relatively close by. So when they started doing like so, the Star Court that we see here, it, that's kind of like the the um, the dream of a mall. Like I know you lived in like the Cleveland area, so oh, what was the name of that one that's now like that's destroyed? That was the big big one, Rob Robinson, not Robinson Town Center. What was it? Uh, the big one in Cleveland that was like one of the first big like almost not mega malls, but it was like built in the seventies. Uh, I'm not sure which one you're trying. About. I grew up in Sandusky, and we right. had a. The reason I brought it up was is that we actually there's a point in the series. I'm looking it up as where um, we find out that the downtown area of Hawkins is just everything's going out of business because of the mall opening up. And my first thought about that was, well, that that's a very quick transition for every business to suddenly be on <laughs> um, yeah. the outs. But yeah. I will say that. Uh, growing up in Sandusky, they had a very thriving downtown area, and there's still some nice things downtown. There's still businesses that are there, but it's 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 not what it was, say, back in the late 70s. I think the Sandusky Mall opened in 1980 or 81. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw Empire Strikes Back there, so it opened before 1980, so maybe like 79. Yeah. I do know that it did have a very adverse effect on our downtown area for a very long time. Um, and there were, you know, there was a JC Penney's in our downtown that was now in the mall. So that closed. I believe there was a, um, back then it was May Company, yeah. um, what's now Macy's, um, that closed as well. Um, there were a lot of stores that were affected at that time by the mall opening up. So I kind of had to reel myself back and go, well... It might be accelerated for the show, but it is what happened to at least our downtown area. Yeah, and so like my my hometown had a real small downtown area as well, like like a main street, right? And I remember as a kid, there were actually I don't remember the name of it now, but we actually had a department store, like, mm-hmm. and it actually had two floors and like you know whatever, and had like a food counter, like it was like a legitimate like thing, and I you know this was around the time of the mollification of everything, right? So uh, now like that's gone. We we had a pen at JC Penney's, like uh, sm- like small, but that's yeah. what it was. Uh, it you know it moved out too. So you're right. Seeing Hawkins just kind of just be like you know sucked dry because the small open. It is sudden, but I. It, to, to say that the Stranger Things is a correct representation of the '80s, I don't think is accurate. Well, no, but no, but what I'm saying is like it's a, it's a bit extreme, but I yeah. think it speaks to, and it's also an interesting place setting in the sense that like you know you see the first two seasons like Hawkins, like this is a cool little town, and then the moment yeah. Starcourt opens up, it's like, um, oh, uh, what's her name, the the mother, um, one on a writer, yeah, what's her, uh, it's. What's her name? Uh, Joyce. Joyce. I keep one. I keep want to say Nancy, but that's like I, all the names, right? So Joyce, you see her work at that like that store she was at, and it's like there's a pharmacy in the back of the store. I don't think anybody works there anymore. And like you yeah. see, like it's all like her store like almost looks like. Have you been to those gas stations where they keep just enough product out so they can sell liquor? Like it's like one of those weird things where it's like they have like a couple bags of chips and everything. It's like this weird like yeah. we have enough to be a store, but you're just here for cigarettes and booze. That's what it felt like to me. Like, Pretty much, yeah, and yeah. the occasional candy bar. Yeah. So I, um, yes, I do remember that. And but I also so for the mall for me, and you can laugh because this is true. Uh, th- that was like growing up. We only got to go to the mall like once or twice a year. So to go to the mall was we're going to go to the mall, and uh, and it was like 
there's a there's a court full of food. Like we could pick places. To, like it was it was like this destination. Well, yeah. it's funny that you say that because growing up, and I assume that every kid did this, but maybe it was just our family. But we did uh, school shopping every year before you know the school year would start. We'd go and buy new clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have like a dress clothes coat coat at my school, but usually I was already growing out of the things that I'd had the year before or whatever. And but when I got to high school. We no longer went to the Sandusky Mall. We drove up to Cleveland, and we went to two places. We went to the Midway Mall in Elyria, where I live now, mm-hmm. um, and then we would go to Great Northern Mall, which is in uh, North Olmsted. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was a very big piece of like you know my high school years. I mean, if you want to know what a mall was like in 1995, admittedly, there's less stores in it, but the film Mall Rats is a fairly accurate representation (laughs) where people would just go and hang out at the mall because everything was sort of there and you could spend a day there and not have to go anywhere else and just bum around. And that's what a lot of kids, you know, growing up did. Um, I was, had a point to that, but, uh, it's it's just it's funny because it was like my mall was no longer big enough. You know, I wanted to go to the to the to Cleveland stores mm-hmm. because they had different stores. You know, yeah. the Cleveland malls. Oh, no, and, and so yeah, the same thing where like it was it, we we had like I had our malls of choice. You know, yeah. um, like it's funny because I mentioned the Morgantown Mall, which is in Morgantown, West Virginia. There, it opened second to one called Mountaineer Mall, which is actually on this big hillside, and it was like the mall to go to until Morgantown Mall opened up, which is right by the highway. And it's like you would talk about like how Hawkins just got stripped out. Yeah, that mall sucked the life out of the other mall. <laughs> and like we went, I went in there once. It was like they had like a, a, a store called On Cue, which was kind of like an FYE, mm-hmm. and then like a hot dog on a stick, and that's all that was left in there. I'm like, and it's just like just like long hallways with old people that could walk around and like nothing else. Cause everyone's like, oh, I don't want to drive up the hill, like up the mountain. I want to go over there. Like so, yeah, I, I can relate to that a little bit. But so, but yeah, there was there was a magic to the mall yeah and i mean the mall being sort of the centerpiece of this season it certainly works it, it makes a lot of sense and it's a it's a fun idea to explore because as much as this thing is 80s 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 remember the 80s 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 music cue every three seconds it we talk about logical pro- progressions uh the the fact that they're able to bring a mall in and actually make it a significant setting and actually tie into the story is, is credit to them, you know? And it, so it was fun. And, and uh, it's funny because we just covered Cobra Kai season two, where, you know, there was a big fight in a mall and we made the joke about like, people still go to malls. Yeah. Uh, so it, like the malls are coming back. I don't know if that's a good thing, but <laughs> so um, the, speaking of like the, the, the eighties like thing where, I, I do like Stranger Things a great deal. It, it sucks me in with the the synth heavy score. Like it feels like a throwback. It feels very Carpenter esque. I love that. Uh, I've said this before. The font for the show is amazing. It, whatever they call that font, it's every pulpy horror novel font from the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's the Stephen King font. You know. Um, you know. It's cool. I love it. And the first time I heard that intro music, I'm like, I don't know what the show is, but I'm already in love with it. And then when I start watching season three, that button shows up like skip intro. I'm like, why would I skip this intro? <laughs> like, it's not long and it's amazing. Like, yeah. just, you know, so um, it already has me on the hook for a lot. In the first season, uh, there was times where some of the music cues felt on the nose. I'm sure it was like that the second season. 
this first episode though just it hits you square in the face like every scene has a music cue and they all work for the scenes but i'm like can we stop with with it for a minute but it was just like just um i don't know if you noticed but it's like every time a new character was reintroduced had like a music cue like and then like uh oh what's his name billy the the older brother Mm -hmm. um like when he first showed up you heard um uh, moving in stereo, I think it was, which like that's that's a callback to um, Fast yeah, Times at Ridgemont High, and did, like the gender flip. I get it, but it's like every single. Pro- it's like okay, Stranger Things. I know you've been away for a year. I get it. It's the '80s. I know you have you have all your songs. Maybe not get to all the songs in the '80s in this episode. So here here's where I will give because when it comes to I don't want to say just product placement, but the the use of pop culture in the series. I want to give it credit for a using um, George Romero's Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. um, which is I always vacillate between that and Night of the Living Dead as being my favorite. But um, they use that in in the series, but they also bring the score into it in different points of the the show. Okay, um, I, and I'd have to double check but i feel like there are two other separate areas where they used pieces of the day of the dead score um and that's that's absolutely film accurate or time accurate um although i don't know that they'd be getting into it because that film was released on unrated i believe and was playing in minimal theaters yeah i know um, like they, but, they did a little bit of flexing like they did like the sneak preview of that or whatever but i will say also back to the future i was like i don't know that that was out july 85 it opened july 3rd 1985 so that also explains so why everybody's accurate. in theater too so yeah that's that cool but i I, yeah. I just wanted to say because there are a lot of things to shit on when it comes to their product placement um in the sense that it, it a lot of it feels like a gigantic commercial but when it comes to their use of dawn of the dead and some of its score i say kudos to you stranger things and i don't say kudos very often well kudos the candy bar is why you mentioned yes. that right like no <laughs> coming uh, back to a, a store near you yeah i mean the burger king stuff was obvious and that was but it was it was so kind of like it was so ridiculous it was kind of fun with hopper putting the bag in his mouth and getting out of the car it's like yes i know it's burger king you know yeah. and then uh and then lucas stopping the entire show to talk about how he likes new coke which to be fair though that that's a joke that works in that time because he's nobody drinking. liked new coke yeah and I, as, as i'm drinking coke zero like it's it's a newer coke but know? i will say too that uh there is that attraction of nostalgia because uh going back to say when they re-released clear pepsi i didn't like clear pepsi the first time it came out but they brought it back out and i was like i'm gonna try it again see what i think still hate it um <laughs> what about we, crystal gravy when they brought that back yeah. out? How'd you feel about that? but no we we went online and for some reason our order has not shipped but we ordered like a month ago <laughs> a bunch of new coke some new coke yeah because it was like i want to see what it tastes like but my recollection of new coke as somebody who lived during that time and was of prime soda drinking age it tasted like pepsi was my rep- recollection and <laughs> there was just it wasn't quite riots in the streak but there was a lot of people saying like where's old coke we want old coke because it's what we like and that's why they came out with coca-cola classic yeah you know, whatever so um speaking of product placement I, I went to go look up the uss butterscotch which is the name of a dish that served at scoops ahoy which is where steve works at and we got we're I'm talk- still not sure i don't understand why they didn't make it a baskin robbins because they did a baskin robbins tie-in for scoops ahoy that's what, that's what i was going to say i didn't know that that was actually um, oh, that, did I just step on your thing? No, it's not even stepping I on it. I was going to show it to you. I didn't know if you'd realize because I didn't know. Because uh, you could actually buy at Target right now. They actually have 
um, the Scoops Ahoy USS Butterscotch flavor available. Oh. Uh, and that's kind of fun because it has the Scoops Ahoy branding and it says uh, partnered with or Can together with Baskin. Yeah. Yeah. You get, I'm just going to order. <laughs> I'm going to get some ice cream sent to me in the mail. I just, as much as that's fun to have it in like a 14 ounce pint or whatever, it's like I want the actual boat with the, the waffle cones yeah. like they had. Um, but I love that. So Steve um, is a character that. I know he's kind of become like a fan favorite and he's won me over too, because like I, I couldn't believe that I, his character was kind of a dick. In the oh, first he is season. not a kind of a dick. He's, he was, a, he's a complete it's dick. Like, he's like, I'm like, I don't like this guy at all. And yeah. then in the second season, he gets, he gets kind of like ego checked. Well, he makes a turn at the very end of the last, of uh, the first season. Yeah. And he sort of feels, figures out that, Oh my God, I am a giant dick. Yeah. Like, and he tries to set things right. Yeah, and but so he then, becomes very lovable by the second season. It, but he still keeps like his kind of like the snark and swagger. But then you get to him and you see him working at this ice cream store, and he's he like everything that worked for him before is just not working now. Like, yeah. and, and I like that like uh, he's wearing the, like, the sailor suit. Like he doesn't change his outfit the entire season. He still wears the little scoops ahoy outfit the entire time. I will say that one of the things that I liked was is that they built on his relationship with the kids. Yes, they didn't have him try to be too cool for the kids or anything like that. Like uh, when Dustin shows up and they have their reunion, it's a it's a wonderful moment in the series because mm-hmm. you know they're they're clearly buddies at this point. And even though, because even the girl that he works with, who we'll probably talk about a little bit more, Robin, we, Robin, by my heart, you know, kind of makes a point of like, what is with you and these kids? She's like, how many how many little kids are you friends with or whatever? <laughs> and it's funny, yeah, because like they the other guys showed up and would use the the back door through Scoops Ahoy to get to the theater so they could see yeah. the movie and all that. Um, but just his place where he's like trying to mack on girls and it's just not working and Robin's keeping the whole tally board of like, you know, you rule, you suck (laughs) and then how the girl he's seeing these girls like with their like college sweaters and he's like oh i thought about going like basically he's just trying to be like yeah i didn't get accepted by anything but i'm just i'm just figuring me out i'm just gonna work here at this ice cream store it's like he was the king of high school now he just he just sells ice cream you know like so i like like he he's a fun character in the sense of like he's very relatable it's that after high school moment of like maybe maybe this isn't like i didn't have everything figured out but you know, I just, I, I loved Steven this season. Like even, even, you know, towards the end when he's like drugged out, like just, I, I thought that stuff was fun. Maybe some of the pacing of this, like of the, of the tension mm-hmm. was a little weird, but that's stranger things will always have to come in with the joke. And just cause that's the show. That's what it does. Like it's not, it's, it's tension. There's scary moments, but there, if there's an opportunity to, to say something funny, it's going to be said, you know, and Steve, I just I liked him a lot here, and he actually got to do something really heroic at the end of the season with driving the car into the parking lot. That I didn't see that resolution coming. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, Billy and his uh, messed up um, oh uh, Camaro. It's a Camaro. I think it's Camaro that he has. Yeah. That so evocative of Christine. Him just like in the parking lot waiting. Uh, that was all cool. I really dug that. Um, but yeah, we talked about Robin. So there's new characters introduced this season. Uh, she it's her, and then I mean. She's the only new character, like in the group, right? Like, I think so because we had we met Max the previous season. Yeah, we met. She wasn't that fleshed out. Billy and Max. We yeah. we'd, uh, we'd already met the teacher. Who I, I honestly I felt that that was the one character that was left out of the season that I would have liked to see more. I like uh, their nerdy teacher. Yes. Um, whose name escapes me, but yeah. uh, um, 
Yeah, I believe Robin is the only new addition to the group. Yeah, because even uh, Murray Bauman, uh, which I didn't expect him to have as big of a, of a moment in the season, he was introduced in season two. Yeah. Uh, so because I, 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 Brett Gelbin's somebody that like, there's times where I'm like, I don't know, but he's really winning me over now. Like yeah. I'm starting to like him a great deal too. Um, so yeah, so with with Maya, she's you know Steve's age or a little bit maybe. Well, no, they were in the same class together, a high school class. And she works at Scoops of Horse. Yeah, I think well. she's a year younger. Okay, because uh, I think she's still in high school and he's graduated. Okay, that's fair. So, um, I, at first, I, you know, it's just like, oh, we're going to fit another smartass in here. But like by the end, she blends in perfectly with like with everything that's going on. I was like, oh, and we also um, Lucas's sister. She was you've seen her previously, oh, yes. but yeah. she has a little bit more going around this time. Uh, she she wore me a little thin at, at points, but. I know I'm sure the writers love writing for her. Be like yeah. just put as much in her mouth as possible because she's going to deliver it with like, you know, she just so judgmental of everybody around her. <laughs> um, so the cast does get bigger, but I don't think it gets unwieldy. And I think you give them their moments, but then I feel like some of the main kids that we've known, some of them kind of got shorted a little bit. Well, yeah, I'm going to, we'll go back to that in a second. I will say um, his sister, um, and I feel bad because I, I don't know her name off the top of my head again. Um, where is it, Erica? I think it's Erica. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a f- very funny moment where, like, they're talking about all the things that had happened in the first two seasons. And the only thing that she doesn't buy is that Lucas knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she doesn't, be- she believes everything else, but yeah. she's like, there's no way that he knew or was a part of this. Yeah, that was. And they're like, no, he was a big part of this. And yeah. she's just like, no, I don't believe that. That's, yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I will say that I felt like, I will say that Will, um, for as important as he is to the first he two got, seasons. He got sidelined hard in the second half of the season. And I understand where they were trying to go with his character because I, I, I don't know. I always think back to when I was this age and try to relate that way. And I do know that some of my friends had girlfriends before I did. Um, I don't think I actually had like a regular girlfriend until high school. So, but there were kids that I was growing up with who were dating in seventh Mm -hmm. and eighth grade. Um, So I remember sort of feeling like, why aren't my buddies hanging out with me, you know, or, you know, they'll hang out for an hour and then they're going off to see, you know, so-and-so to smooch. Um, so I, I could relate to that, but at the same time, I felt like his character, for being as important as he was in the first two seasons, just sort of drops off. Well, because he gets frustrated because you're right, like the, 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 the dynamics changing, he just wants to play D&D, he wants to be together. And then uh, there's that whole bit where it's kind of left out in the air where... Uh, um, uh, I just had his name. There's so many little kids here too. Lucas, They're, Dustin, um, not not the the other one. Uh, Finn Wolfhard, Mike. What's it? Mike. Yeah. Why do I remember his real name? Because his real name is badass. Like whenever Mike and uh, and I will say he wins name of the year, like or name of all time, like Finn Wolfhard. Like bravo to his parents. Yeah. Whenever he and, and and Will are having that like argument outside in the rain, and he was like, he's like, I'm sorry, you don't like girls yet or whatever. And it's like it just hangs for a second. And it's like yeah. There's a lot there that could be unspoken. And, and I wondered if out. that's where they were going with that. And, and either if they do or not, that's fine. But then, like, Will goes to Castle Byers and just breaks it because, you know, his child is over. It's very symbolic or whatever. 
Um, but then, <laughs> okay, you're like it's very symbolic because it's it, it, it's it's really on the nose. Like yeah. his one his one hideaway with all his like memories and his friends, and it's like a little it's his little castle. He just tears it down, you know. And it's yeah. like it's him growing up, and that's the big thing of the season is they're 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 being forced forced to grow up in some ways, you know. So. Well, I would say that the, the the story also suffers by keeping Dustin away from the group for as long as they do. It's great that he's interacting with Steve the whole time. Yeah. But I feel like everybody's separated throughout the season. Joyce and Hopper are separated. Uh, the uh, Nancy, Nancy and, um, and um, what's his name? The other guy, uh, <laughs> Will's brother, um, are Jonathan. Are his Jonathan. Name's, uh, whatever his name, Charlie. Charlie's his, his character name's Jonathan. This episode, we don't remember anyone's names. Yeah, uh-huh. um, brought to you by Burger King. <laughs> so I, I felt like they were off on their own story. Um, Dustin and Steve are off on their own story with Robin, and then the rest of the kids are just sort of there in the main thrust of the story. Yeah. And there's a lot of Eleven learning about having a friendship with a female as opposed to only having Mike as her, you know, um, one friend. And then really. also learning that it's, you know, it, what's important is that you yourself is also important, not yeah. just, you know, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that's all, that's a very important thing to have in the story. I think it's a, a, a very important story beat for that character. But I just felt like keeping them apart from each other the entire story just I, it didn't feel natural once they all came back together in the last episode. I, I wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I liked the with the um, with the whole thing of um, Nancy and Jonathan how their story like folded into what was going. Like it was a nice like they kind of dovetailed well together with the kids, and then the whole bit of like whenever they're getting the station wagon and they're like driving away and she's like seatbelts like she's like yeah. you could tell like she's starting to take like this assertive authority. But I I um, also felt like her story sort of fell apart too because she's dealing with the assholes at the the newspaper who are clearly like sexist douchebags and <laughs> yeah. that story just kind of folds in on itself by the fourth episode because they all sort of get assumed into this new threat yeah like jake Busey, it's like it's like hey what's what's your character jerk you know yeah. like and it's like but it's jake Busey, so i'm okay with him just chewing the scenery because uh, that whole bit in the hospital wherever uh because you find out that the people that are all taken together by the mind flare uh, they all kind of have like a connected experience. So the 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 guy who runs the newspapers in the hospital, he gets hit hard, and then you see Jake Busey saying "owie," and it's like that gives you the notion that this is connected, but also just the way Jake Busey just says it, like with like you know, I don't know, just sarcasm and just keeps moving forward. Yeah, like he wasn't in the series long, but I I, I liked him. But he is like I wouldn't even call him one note. That would imply that there was like he was just he just existed like it almost been like hey the mind flare took you over and be like oh it did like i, <laughs> I feel well, like he would have still chased them to the hospital regardless of being corrupted or not on, on that same note i feel like carrie elways is sort of wasted is probably a harsh word uh to use but i feel like he's just there to be the government bad guy that they didn't have or that they had in the last two seasons even though he's he's corrupt and he's working with the russians but he doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to do, and I feel like you get Carrie Elways or a, a name actor mm-hmm. to take on a role like that. Like for instance, um, um, Bob from last season. You know, you had Sean um, Astin. Sean yeah. Astin, 
and it's a wonderful character. He brings a lot to it, and you feel his loss when he's gone. I felt with Carrie Elway's, like, that was the type of role where they're like, we're going to bring in another celebrity who's, you know, maybe he's not huge, but he's probably well-known within our demographic from, say, like, the, the, the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. Um, and I just, I thought, like, ah, they could have done something more with him. It's like, hey, we need to bring in people from the movie Twister. We just got to bring in, you know. Um, <laughs> he was the bad guy there, too. So just have him drive around with a black SUV. Like, that. <laughs> if he would have got sucked up a tornado at the end, I'd been like, oh, they did that. No, Next um, season, Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt come together. <laughs> yeah. Because she's from Twister, and they're both from Mad About You. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I, You're right. He was underused, but he also knew what he was, what he knew what the character was. And he had that, that smarm. Of being mm-hmm. like small town mayor, but has bigger aspirations and just basically be like, you know, telling tell Hopper like, oh, well, do they have a permit? It's your problem now. Type of, I just, I, I like all that. And then whenever Hopper just beats the living shit out of him through like, you know, yeah. the course of dragging him out of his office and into his house, like it was good. And then there's the bit whenever he's at the fair, like yelling at food vendors and everything and he has his sunglasses on and he takes the sunglasses off and you see those black eyes that he has still. It's like. He's still keeping appearances. He has sunglasses on. He still wants to be an authority figure. I, I liked all that. But you're right. He just that he he was the the corrupt mayor, and yeah. that's it. You know. Um, so <laughs> he he was the mayor from Jaws, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, um, in terms of like, they they said I believe that the Duffer Brothers said that with season three it was going to be a different threat than like the Upside Down, and they were right. I, 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 were you expecting maybe something that was completely unrelated to like, because uh, since the, the 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 you know the world had been closed off into season two, Eleven put her hands out and her her nose bled a lot and she shut down the gate. Like, did you think maybe there might be like a different thing going on, or did you think it was going to be more like like um, ramifications from? The upside I down. assumed it was just okay. going to be more ramifications. I don't even think I knew about that quote about it being a different threat. I mean, that's that's the impl- the implication was like, no, we're like they. I think they said no, we're kind of done with the upside down. Which I mean, literally, you only see it for a, like a second or two in the first episode. But it's what's powering the mind flare. Yeah. The, yes. So uh, it's still it's it's still a story element. But did you expect the mind flare to be this like you know goop incarnate? Like did you like? No, no, I did not expect it to be you know um, millions your, of rats and then one old lady, right? <laughs> and Jake Busey. I like, was gonna say the reverse Terminator, but <laughs> yeah, it's the reverse T one thousand. Yeah, um, yeah. And so like so I liked that they had whoever was being corrupted by the flare that like we made the joke at the beginning of the episode about seeking out chemicals and whatever. They never really explained that. And I thought they left that enough to where it's like that this thing is from a different world and it needs something to destabilize the body as it takes over. That's what I felt like because like when you get all the townspeople that are affected, uh, it was like the next to last episode and they're all going to where the flare has been like keeping up shop. People are walking in and falling apart like a scene out of slither where they're just going towards it and collapsing into this goop or even like, I don't know, society, you know, like there's a whole bunch of shunting going on there. Speaking of which, I don't know if it's still going on, but if you are somebody who shops 
uh, digitally for movies on iTunes. Uh, there was an, another Arrow video sale. Uh, I picked up Society for three ninety nine. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Okay. So this digital uh, version of it. Yeah, okay. just the digital version of it. But like, I didn't own Society. I'd only seen it last year. Uh, it was one of those hidden gems that I'd not seen before. <laughs> so if, check iTunes if you're somebody who buys movies digitally um, and see if the Arrow sale is still going on because there's a lot of great titles for like three dollars and ninety nine cents, especially if you don't own them physically. Nice. So. So what did you think of uh, the ultimate resolution? I'm not, I'm not, we'll talk about Dustin's thing in a second because like, as much as fun as that was, it kind of just put everything. It, it derails the show a little bit. A little I think. bit. Um, and people are divided about that. Of course yeah. they're divided. It's the internet. What did you think of the big <laughs> of the big final showdown actually being in like the mall like the mall food court basically with all the kids like using fireworks to to like distract the thing like something about that felt like this 80s like again fever dream like like fantasy but it felt very it just felt like it felt right like oh, I, yeah. something I just I liked that whole thing of like we're kids we we don't really have guns but we can we know how to blow the shit out of these little fireworks you know like mm-hmm. um I, I didn't I didn't see that coming the way that they were handling the problem. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that that all worked really well. And for all of the, you know, jokes that I've made or or I don't even know if I made jokes. The <laughs> comments that I made regarding the product placement, you know, everything that's in that food court you probably would have found in an 80s food court. Like that all of it makes sense. Um because there's also a scene where you know they end up in a 7-Eleven, and there's a ton of product placement there. But it's like you're in a 7-Eleven. That's what would have been there anyway. So that at least makes sense. But the ultimate resolution uh, of attacking it with fireworks, I thought that that was really well done. Because at one point we see Lucas going after fireworks, and like Max is like, "What are you doing?" Like and he we have other problems, like, and he explains yeah. why, and it it works out nicely as we get to the end of the the season and then but but even just the showdown with this like super groupy mind flare uh which i gotta say the the bit in the hospital earlier whenever nancy and, and jonathan are trying to deal with jake Busey and the other guy and they both get you know turned into to goop and they both like kind of slug their way out and they meet up again like that reminded me so much of like something from like um, creep show two with the raft mm-hmm. and, and like you can definitely see like john carpenter's the thing all over that and it was really creepy especially whenever the creature was outside the 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 door uh with with nancy and it, it just it, it was like not pounding against the door and realized oh i can just turn into liquid and slowly seep in like that was i thought that was really cool and yeah. creepy um but so like when you get this big you know big mind flare uh, in the mall and they're all chucking these fireworks at it. It is, it's not like anything I've ever seen, like in terms of like, cause you have all this chaos of this monster, but then like all these amazing fireworks going off at the same time. And it, again, it, this feels like something that like, um, you know, it had filmmakers, if Spielberg would have had the money in the eighties to do this, he would have done it, you know? And I, and it just, but it, but it does its own thing. Like I don't, I can't think of another resolution to a film at that time, other than you know, Silver Bullet, where they just shoot a bottle rocket at a werewolf's head, and that's not exactly the same thing. Oddly enough, starring his father. Yeah, uh, Gary Busey. Gary yeah. Busey. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I thought that was just it was beautiful, and I don't know if there's a significance to the name Starcourt, but it's a cool name. Like it makes you think other things. It makes you think of like a fantasy setting. Yeah. And. I, I like that um, as it's being fought and it's like flailing around, you're seeing the mall itself getting just destroyed. 
And finally, the resolution of the season is that Starcourt's gone. And I don't know where, what, you know, I don't know where that JC Penney's is going, but I don't know if they're rebuilding the star court, especially considering there was this massive Russian base underneath it that, yeah. how do you even build that? Like, like without anybody even noticing anything? Yeah. I mean, it is funny that we're not given anything other than it's, well, no, that's not even, that's, I'm going to contradict myself because it's October, 1984. The next season would be July of 80, 85. Five, yeah. So you're literally talking eight months? It, well, I mean, supposedly this thing was already in production working. So the Russians had already built this while the other gate was being closed. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to say that my comments about the, the mall driving all the small town businesses to like close in eight months. <laughs> Is is apropos? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I just so like I I will forgive this big Russian installation thing because it, it's so ridiculous. But again, that like if it's a great cover, don't well, get me wrong. That and like if if at that time when you're you know going to you know like Great Northern Mall, if someone had been like, hey, you see that truck that's not marked? There's a secret Russian base under there. You've been like, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, because it'd just be such a ridiculous thing that you'd be like, "Yeah, that seems like that could be true." Um, so I, I thought that was all fun. Uh, Steve peeing off the top of the elevator and it ended up in the room with them was weird. Yeah, I didn't need that, especially whenever the Russian guard comes in. He's like, "You smell that?" <laughs> like, <laughs> that was weird. Um, the truth serum stuff was fun. Uh, however, I think I don't know. Like, I think that that Steve and um, Robin and, and Robin. I think they got over that pretty fast. After, like, I don't know if throwing up just clears out an injection into the neck. That seems a little weird to me. You know, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I took it as them being cleared up completely because I feel like they have a couple giggly moments later. Oh, they do, yeah. But, um, you know, their relationship. I, I will say that I thought it was interesting that they took a big swerve uh, where you thought the relationship was going. Yeah. Um, and I kind of really loved the reveal that she gives where she. I'm going to step back. Robin at one point talks about the world that Steve kind of lived in when they were in high school together. Mm-hmm. And then Steve later in another episode, after they've had the injection goes and sort of talks about how he needs somebody in his life and, you know, he thinks that it might be Robin. And then she then goes on to say, like, you don't understand. I wasn't in love with you. I was upset that this girl that I liked was in love with you. Um, I thought it was an interesting swerve because it also gave a chance for once the realization hits with Steve, he's just like, oh, she's. You're, you're totally out of her league. Like, it yeah. gives him a nice little character. I, I like that it gives him a moment to process, and he actually is like, okay, well, okay, that that's on me. We're friends still, and yeah. this isn't going to change our interaction. Yeah, and I, I liked that a lot. I think it says something about his character growth from where he was in the first season to where he is now. Yeah, I, I, I do think that it was a bit of a red herring that they had her admit to being obsessed with him. And it's like, that felt like it was a swerve. I don't know if I like the layout of her discussion about it and then being like, oh, by the way, here's what you don't know. That felt a little weird. But when she finally told him what was going on and his reaction, I thought that was wonderful. So here, here, here's an admission. Um, I totally there was a guy that I went to high school with. Can't remember his name for the life of me. But I just remember thinking that dude had like the greatest hair. Like I just thought he had like the greatest hair ever, and I was like, "Why doesn't every woman just adore him? Look at that hair!" And 
like I said, to this day, I, I don't even remember what his name was. But, like, that felt very real that she would be kind of obsessed with him in this way where it's like, why are, why is this girl that I'm interested in interested in him? He's vapid. He's dumb. He leaves, he's, he leaves crumbs around. Yeah, yeah he leaves yeah. crumbs all over his desk. Uh, so I, that felt very real to me because I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that dude's name, but I just always remember looking at me like, damn, that guy's got great hair. I wish I had that guy's hair. And I like that one point earlier in the season, whenever um, he's like, Paul, well, he's like, this hat's keeping me away from what I need. So he's like, I'm taking the hat off. She's like, it's against company policy. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I gotta work the one thing I have, and it's just like, basically, he's yeah. just like, I'm the hair. Like this has to happen. <laughs> like, you know, I thought that was funny. Um, so, um, how did you feel about like the? There is the relationship stuff between uh, Mike and, and Eleven, and then uh, Max and, and um, uh, I keep uh, Lucas. Like, did did that all feel very organic for like kids that age, where it was like, oh, you want boundaries? I'll give you boundaries, and you're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dump your ass. And then Lucas talking about his relationship with Max, where he's like, yeah, I've been dumped like five times. That felt very real. I will say, like, I feel weird about like being expected. Or not expected. The I don't know. I felt like it was weird to try and build up Mike and Eleven's relationship even further with him declaring that he's in love with her. And like, it's, it just feels unnatural to be like, oh, I'm supposed to be rooting for these two as a couple, but they're both 13 or 12. Yeah. And that just makes me feel icky. And I, 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 it kind of bothered me towards the end of last season. It bothered me more throughout this season. And there's actually a scene uh, where I, 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 I don't know that I identified more with Hopper in any scene other than like the kids are just being complete shits to him. Yeah, and he the, drags Mike out into the the, the car <laughs> and like basically lays it out for him. Like you know, if you keep doing this to me and you disrespect me again, I'm going to end you. <laughs> and it's wonderful to see like Mike's like. You know his his he has a he deflates his, his body language yeah. definitely sells he it, completely yeah. deflates yeah. and it's like oh yeah he's the adult I'm the kid mm-hmm. um so I, I will say in that regard yeah I I I kind of feel like also we all had those you know again it wasn't for me in in this young but you know those high school you know epic romances where like everything is so damn important um but uh, at the same time it, it does feel a little weird to be like i'm supposed to be rooting for them but deep down i know that they're both 12 and i don't want them to be a couple yeah so <laughs> I, it, it, does that make sense it does like, I, i'm not saying you're wrong i just uh because like Mike, Mike screws up some stuff, but then there's like a couple of times where he, he comes close to apologizing, but doesn't. And I'm like, there was that fear of like, is he going to, is he going to get, are they going to get back together without him actually saying he's sorry? I was like, that's not a great idea, but he he does. And it's fine. Um, and I thought it was okay because their, their, their chemistry as like actors are actually really good. And, um, and 11, um, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. she, the one name I'll always remember because she's got Bobby Brown in her name. Yeah. Well, it's like, she still carries this, like she's opened up as a character, right? But her speech patterns are still a little stilted yeah. by design. And it's still, she's still learning. She's still figuring things out. And just, but the way she says things still, it's like it's, it works. And I, and I, it just, she is so goddamn good. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think there's a sour note in the casting of this whatsoever. I like, you know, it's a wonderfully cast show. 
but she still does great work. Uh, I was worried that they, they, because they kept saying, oh, she has superpowers. Like they kept like tossing to her how I'm like, yeah, like she could solve all of this. And then how it started like basically hinting at, cause you'd see more and more blood from her yeah. and how uh, she was like, oh, my battery's low, but I'll recharge. And then they, they took that off the board. I thought that was nice that they didn't make her have to be the solution to the problem again this yeah. time around. And I will say too, going back to the relationship aspect, I did like I did like seeing Eleven and Max build a relationship. And I liked the fact that like, of course they're gonna use Eleven to spy on Mike and <laughs> Lucas. And I do love the fact that they're having this dumb moment where like you know, Mike is like burping and like yeah. talking about how you can smell the nacho cheese in his burp and like just the disgusting things that boys are. Well, it makes um, it even funnier because she's using her like astral projection where yeah. in the show it's like this all black like s- scenario with like a like a damp like a like a watery floor. So it's like this very dramatic set. Yeah, and you just have these guys on this couch like farting and burping at each other, <laughs> talking about girls. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. And like you said, the the moment where Lucas is like, "I've been dumped like five times," you know, like that felt very natural as well. And, and the whole bit too, whenever uh, oh, at one point, um, oh the the. Shoot, the names are always. I, Mike is on the phone trying to talk to Eleven, and his mom's still on the phone. Like <laughs> that whole thing too, where he's like, "Mom, get off the phone." It's like I can relate to that. I, I totally yeah. had those moments. <laughs> I don't uh, think my mom was ever consciously listening in, but I do know that there are moments where, like, I'd pick up, and you know, I know she'd still be on there, and you know, yelling at her. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and then we even get some more development of like a couple characters that we didn't even think we'd even know further, like Karen, um, Karen Wheeler, who is um, the mother. Like she actually has a couple moments here as well. Like she was kind of like she was cold hearted in the first season, and you kind of you introduce her as like the Mrs. Robinson type kind of in the second season with Billy kind of like hitting on her and kind of like she just she never I didn't think she was cold hearted. I just thought she was aloof. I oh, thought that she was. That's probably a better way to state that. Yes. Because uh, of the, you know, obviously her husband's just like this guy. It's like, well, uh, he's definitely aloof. I guess that's a better like, description yeah, for him. Guess but. I'm just going to make a dad comment and go sleep in the easy chair. Like, <laughs> like um, but they gave her more to work with too. And then she actually had that really nice moment with Nancy in the kitchen, wherever Nancy had gotten fired from her job. Yeah. And it's you know instead, of, and she basically was like, yeah, it's not, it's you know, it's all going to be hard, but you're a fighter. And that was a really, that was a good moment. And I'm glad they gave her more to work with. I'm glad they actually gave her like the crisis of conscious, like not to go sleep with, uh, with, uh, Billy. Um, that was kind of like, that was all they gave just enough. Like I liked that too. So I like that this world's opening up more where you can still tell these other stories as well. I, I will say at the end, um, there's a moment where Hopper and Joyce find her, and they're like, where are the kids? She's like, I don't know. They're at so-and-so's house or whatever. And like, when I think back to growing up, like there was just sort of this thing where like, and, and again, I don't mean this in a way like things were better back in my day, but I do know that like my parents, and, uh, and the friends of my parents all were sort of connected. So it was always this thing of like, I would tell my mom, I'm going to Mike's, you know, yeah. or wherever. And she'd be just like, okay. Yeah. So like that was very that felt very real to me because like, I could have been anywhere. Like I think they're I think they're at the circus here, right? Yeah. Or like whatever. It's like you know, like I don't know. Like they're out of my hair and I can go drink. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's true. You're right. Like uh, 
I mean, like where I grew up and when I grew up, it's like it was like you knew all your neighbors and if you know people knew. Not that I'm saying like you trust them, you just knew them because it's like your small town. But like you know, front door unlocked, come and go as you please, like just whatever. That and like also like I think all of my parents' friends or all my friends' parents had carte blanche to like discipline me if I was being a douche. Like yeah, you know that's just how it was back then. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, we'll talk about Dustin's moment here in a second. I feel like it, we need to talk about um, uh, Hopper and um, my, Joyce. Joyce, Jesus Christ! I love this show and the characters, but I'm like, I'm like Winona Ryder, you know, like, you know, the girl from Alien Resurrection. No, um, you know, the girl from uh, Dracula. Yeah, right. You know, the the one that Keanu Reeves acted so well in. Uh, so, like Hopper, I like it just man, like I love him. As, I love him as a character, but I feel like they just made him like Fred Flintstone for half of the season, where he's just like this angry guy that can't like not angry, but like, you know, frustrated guy that doesn't know how to express himself, which I get, but it's like the whole bit with him being stood up in like the restaurant where he's like, I'm just taking this bottle of wine with me. They're like, you can't do that. He's like, I'm the chief of police. He just leaves. I'm like, yeah. like I get it that he's kind of brash, but it's like, they made him kind of, kind of really abrasive a little bit. I don't know how. I, well, I, I feel like he's always been that character though. I feel but, like the first scene of the first season, if I remember correctly, like he wakes up in the morning and like, doesn't he send out like a like a somebody that he's had a one night stand with, and then like drinks a beer and, and well, smokes you, a cigarette? Yeah, at like seven yeah in the that. Morning? What I'm saying, it felt a little bit more grounded. And like this guy, you know, he lost his daughter, which we find out later, and he's just kind of you know live, he's kind of had like the shell of a life since. Here, it's like now that he has like another daughter with eleven, there's just that bit of him just sitting at the couch, just getting like the chair just getting madder and madder and madder, and like just trying to like. I felt like that was the more realistic <laughs> portrayal. Like I feel Ooh. like. That's every parent who's, uh, particularly, I imagine, you know, if you're somebody who's, you know, a first time parent in the sense of like, you know, like I was the third kid. So I think my, my folks had it easier to deal with me by the time it got around to me. But like, I don't think that his daughter originally made it to that age. No, she didn't. I no. think that like they had such a connection. Mike's kind of a threat to it at this point. And um, not being able to verbalize it properly. I thought that stuff was all actually pretty great. And I love the fact that he, even though he doesn't do anything that Joyce tells him to do, he goes the next day and he's like, I did it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he's so proud of himself. He's, so, he's really proud of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know it's all a little on the nose, but how he uh, got he got the dress clothes because he was going to go out that night. And it just became a thing where he was dressed up like Magnum the rest of the, the season, yeah. which was fun. Which you can buy that shirt already, I believe. Of, of it's, course. It's a Halloween costume, though. It's from Spirit Halloween, but... Kathy was like, oh, we need to get you that shirt. And I'm like, no, we do not. And she's like, yeah. I'm going to look and see if it's available. She's like, yep. Oh, it's a Halloween costume, though. It's on Spirit. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm now sure it's a Halloween costume. Yes, somebody always. else will yeah. come. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, but, but him and, uh, you know, uh, the, the relationship that, like, it, like you, you knew from the get-go because there was um, – it was said before that Joyce and he had been together, like, or they they almost got I together previously. Implied that they kind of danced around dating in high school, something that like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like she lost, you know, Super Bob, and so she was still dealing with the loss of Sean Astin, and obviously, you know, uh, Hopper's. I don't think he's never not carried a torch for her. So this whole season was them bickering and yelling and getting closer and closer and all this. And it was like all it was all sweet and good. Uh, my, my I guess my favorite part was whatever like he kept implying that she'd be a good detective and she started actually kind of taking on that. Yeah. And what was, what was I just there was a bit whatever he goes to commandeer a car, which I also like. Why don't you show your actual badge with that by the way? Unless you didn't have it. <laughs> uh, 
And then she's like, he's like, oh yeah, we were transporting this guy. He's a child murderer or whatever, he, like child rapist. I think yeah. he like says. And then, and then she comes out and it's like, yeah, we're transporting this prisoner. He's a forger. He's like, no, child, child rapist. She's like, oh Jesus, like, like um, wherever. But they had like their big emotional moment in the bunker, not bunker, but the compound. Like, um, how did you feel about their relationship evolving over the course of the season? Like, is that like, the natural progression? I, t- I will say that. Um and uh, I can't think of his name now. Um, the, actor? the what's that? What, sorry, which guy? Uh, not the Russian, but the 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 guy who we meet in the second season, who has all the sort of uh, down low connections. Oh, uh, uh, Brett Gelman's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just talked about him before we started recording. And uh, I, Murray Bauman. Murray Bauman. Yeah, I love the fact that both him and the Russian are just annoyed with him at this point. It's like. Why don't you two just get it over with? Yeah, just have sex. And he have tells sex. that to the Russian guy. He starts laughing. Yeah, like, and he's like, "They haven't." Yeah. Um, I, I thought that that was a really funny moment. Um, well, his name was An- Anatoly. Was that the the? No, that wasn't right. The, the he, uh, Hopper kept Alexi. calling him, Alexi. He kept calling him Smirnoff, which is yeah, like, you know, whatever. But like he, it's another character that didn't necessarily have to have a story, but you kind of got to know him a little bit, and then. When he gets taken off of the board, you're like, "Well, that was really sad." Yeah, but uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Murray Bauman's character, like, you know, the second season we meet him, like he's very eccentric, uh, like you know, like shut in, but like very like uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, yeah. yeah. And then this one, it's like, like when you find out all the conspiracies are true, like he's the one that has the solution. But it's like it's they actually give him some like a nice couple of mo- emotional moments too. But then you could tell like he. He wants to save the world, but he's annoyed by doing it, especially whenever his code name given to him by Dustin is Baldy Eagle, and you can tell he's yeah. pissed off every single time. It's like, well, what's your name? He's like, say, what's your name? He's like, Bald Eagle. Like, <laughs> I think he even has like a, a moment where he's just like mentions how much he just hates children. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> so, but going back to, to yeah. Hopper and Joyce, I felt like you know it was a natural progression. But I also felt like it telegraphed where we what we get in the very last piece of the season. Yeah, I like, and there was um, there was some hinting of that earlier. Whenever um, Will was trying to get the guys to play D and D, and he was like, "Okay, what's your next move?" And um, Mike is like, "Well, because uh, we set the whole place on fire and sacrifice ourselves for the greater good." It's like they're saying like someone's going to give themselves up for this at the end. I think they're telegraphing that. Um, it still worked. Um, but I also feel like it just it it's Stranger Things, and I don't know that you can do another season without Jim Hopper being resurrected some way, or just ending up in Russia because that might have been a thing. Because they're like, no, nope, not the American. I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. Which I mean, fine if that's what you do. Um, fine. Like, I, you're right. Like, it would be weird to not have him there yeah. for sure. Um, so, all right, last thing we'll talk about here and then we'll wrap up our thoughts about the season. Cause I feel like we've been dancing around this. Dustin has a storyline where he, he goes off to computer camp for a month to camp nowhere, which, yeah. uh, and he ends up having meeting a girlfriend and he builds like this really big, like ham radio to talk to her in Utah when he was in, you know, um, uh, Indiana. Um, yeah, it's Indiana. Yeah. Hawkins, Indiana. And so that becomes a plot point in the sense of like, he has this really big radio and then they need a, um, a number Planck's constant to unlock the safe in the Russian place for these keys. And he finally gets a hold of Susie and she's like, we haven't talked for a while. And so she's like, do it. And he's like, I'm not, I don't know. It's, it's like, in the meantime, let's just set the stage. 
uh, bald eagles downstairs waiting to like you know like do his next move to pull like pow- not power but he- he's actually going to open the the safe i think yeah uh and then um joyce and hopper are waiting for their next move too so like they're under the possible threat of being shot at by russian like troops uh the kids are fighting a glop monster and no, they're, they're, they're driving down the road in terror because they pulled uh the mind flare away uh and so it's like there's all this shit going wrong and so he's like we need this number and she's like not until i get what i need so then he has to sing the never-ending story not just the first couple words not just a verse like pretty much the whole song with her over the radio that everybody can hear yeah um which is funny and credit to the the two actors doing it, like they really get into it. Um, Gaten uh, Matazaro, like he has fun with it. He actually has a pretty good voice. Uh, and the little girl that plays Susie was good. It's fun too. But it's like, and you see the reactions of everybody just being like, "What are we listening to right now?" Right. You know. But and then there's the bit where you see the car tearing ass down the road, and the mind flare is chasing after it like a Jurassic Park sequence. But you hear this like never ending story music plague. So that's kind of a funny moment. Yeah. It just goes on too long because I feel like the tension's there and it's like, we don't have time for a three minute song break. Yeah, I'll say that I felt like um, while it was a funny joke, um, it took, like you said, it took tension out of it and there was no point at which I didn't think she wasn't going to give him the number. <laughs> like there there was, I was like, okay, this is a, a delay in so that, that the story can keep progressing. Um, but at the same time, I just... I'll, I'll say that, you know, when we started talking about the season, I, I said that I, I wasn't, I didn't have high expectations for it, I didn't have low expectations for it. I was excited for it, but it wasn't, like, going to be the be-all, end-all that, like, people had made out for Game of Thrones. Um, but at the same time, uh, I felt like some of the steam had been let out by that that scene. I felt like yep. uh, some of the, uh, whatever was going to happen in the last, you know, part of the season or, or that episode uh, was kind of undercut. That might be a better way. I feel like you could have still had her being like, you owe me. He's like, not right now. It's important. And she's like, fine, but you owe me. Then they save the day. And then she's like, okay, pay up. While like everybody is like, you know, in this th- thrill of victory, right? And him having to do that, that I think would be, be fun. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's I think it, I think the, it's one of those moments where I think the idea appealed to everybody and no one stopped to be like, does this hurt the momentum of the show? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But, all right. Uh, thoughts on the season? I know you said that, you know, you liked this and it wasn't your favorite. I I feel like this was the cure for what ailed me in a lot of ways, like uh, in the sense that, like, um, it was nice to watch a show again like this where there's some really cool sci-fi horror things going on and kids get to be smart and make, you know, the good decision, not good decisions, but they're making the best decisions they think they're making at the time. Like the sauna test thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the humor works for me. Like the, the, the jokes more mainly work for me. So I was entertained throughout. And if this series is nothing but just good character development, good jokes and um, like, I'd say pretty well thought out sci-fi horror. I don't need, I don't know if I need anything more than that. It's not that I'm saying it's like less than I'm just saying like it's its own breed of things. It is taking from all these other sources, but it's still doing its own thing, which I think that's what you should do whenever you're trying to pay homage, like find what works and why it works and then still make it your own, not just wink the entire time. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked the season. I thought it was a lot of fun. And if, um, 
And if it would have ended the way it did, even though there's a teaser for the next season, I still think it would still have been a good ending to the series because kids are growing up and, you know, things fall apart a little bit. You know, you got to put away those toys and move on. So I did like it. I I never got that memo about putting away my toys. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, no, I I enjoyed the season. Um, If I'm going to, you know, rate them, yeah, I'm like season two, season one, season three. But again... You know, uh, it's it's really well done. It I I feel like, particularly with my review of Spider Man, which I don't even technically call it a review, but our discussion about Spider Man uh, last week, I kind of focused on the things that didn't, and it wasn't even that they didn't work for me, but the things that stuck out to me mm-hmm. um, more than the good. Um, and I, I'm hoping that, I, that it doesn't come off this way as well, but. Um, yeah, is it is it, am I like upset that I spent eight hours watching it? No, am I in the same group of because I, I honestly wasn't that upset with Game of Thrones. I, I actually I wasn't ex- upset at all with the way Game of Thrones ended, um, and I didn't understand the outrage there. So if you're outraged about season three of Stranger Things, I don't know what to tell you because I thought it was really well done, with the exception of you know some. Some character things, keeping the characters separated. Um, yes, the product placement is definitely a little bit more of a stumbling point here than in other seasons. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed this season, and I'm curious to see where they go in season four. And I'm hoping that they're able to gain the momentum that they had at the end of season two again. Um, but that's, you know, that's by no means a like, boo, this sucked. <laughs> like, I. I <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. So um, I just hope that um, I hope that wherever they go in the next season, it's if it's not someplace new, it's someplace that increases the threat and gives us a little bit more expansion on what the upside down is. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So yeah, I liked it a lot. I give me more. Like this is all handled with care and written well. So I will always take that. So uh, that's going to do it for our discussion about Stranger Things three. Um, I'm sure we'll get to Stranger Things four in like six years when they release it. Um, it'll be the the summer of eighty nine, and then like these kids are going to be all grungy and shit. It's going to get closer to the alternative days. Well, they'll be all about Batman at that point. It's true. There's yes, and Steve would like he'll be like you know the show was okay until this. Now it's amazing. You know? uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's the. the We'll talk about it when we get there. So if you guys like to share your thoughts about the, the season, you can certainly do it on our Facebook page. We're an Invasion of the Podcast on Facebook. We also have a website, invasionofthepodcast.com, where I've been posting blogs. I finally got I'm, – I'm one behind still, uh, but I got my American Ninja right up up there with some wonderful gif action. Um, ninjas are magic, and you find out. like that's it's American Ninja was a fun film, so uh, read my thoughts on that. Uh, and also you can find us on – um, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, wherever you find your podcast, please rate and review us. It'd be great. And people, not people, and Steve, how can people find you? Uh, you can head to the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher, Twitter under the Saturday Slasher. Uh, you can also go to Etsy to buy the comic at the Art of the Slash. So hit all those places up. And if you buy from the Art of the Slash, please give me a review. Uh, all reviews help. Uh, I, I, don't know that we push that enough here on the show. Uh, if you like the show, please review the show as well. But uh, if you buy anything, uh, it always helps to review the thing uh, for 
it always helps whatever you're patronizing at that point, uh, particularly if it's a great review. Yeah, perfect. So. All right. So um, before we get to the game, next week is going to be a little different show. I'm going to put Steve under the microscope, and we're going to talk about uh, all of my pro- problems. Yeah, all of his problems with Stranger Things three. Now, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the art of like his, his creation of the science slasher, but also you, since you self publish a comic, like the challenges and what you learned from doing that. Because I feel like since we've been, I've been helping Steve with you know going to conventions and then not selling any of his books, but then also giving away stuff. That there's a lot of independent creators that show up to. The these things and it's like they just don't appear out of the ether like there's a lot of work that goes into it so i want to have a, like, a conversation with him about you know because you, you've this isn't the first book you've put out it's you know you've done this multiple times but you've learned from it and how you approach things so i think there'll be an interesting talk yeah i'd like to think of it in more of a not so much an examination of the Sirat slasher or the creative process more of the how do i do this um, and not even like, like how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, if you're somebody who's interested in telling a, a comic book story, like hopefully I'll have some information that maybe will help you and some resources that you can look into. Yeah, perfect. All right, so that's going to be our topic for next week. But right now we got to get to we got to figure out Steve's baseball knowledge. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. So yesterday in Cleveland was the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. So we actually had like this big All-Star Week here in town. Um, I didn't go anywhere near downtown because I figured the traffic would be terrible. And plus, also, I'm not a big baseball guy. I feel kind of bad because it's kind of a big deal. And I'm just like, that's cool. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> you know, while my, my friends were losing their minds, some people actually got to go to the game. Some people got to go to the Home Run Derby. Um, but I thought it'd be fun to do like something tying into that. And my original idea was to try to find a quiz about all the different baseball park foods that are out there because there's some really weird things um but i that seemed kind of daunting of like trying to to make fake foods because everything out there already is ridiculous so how do i come up with something that's like more ridiculous than that so i decided to come up with a 10 question quiz about baseball that is uh like pop culture baseball related all right so uh this is not like a stats thing i'm not going to be like hey you know how many home runs did so and so hit this one year you know or or name a baseball player i'm not gonna (laughs) do, do that Francisco Lindor. There you go. You win. So, all right. Um, what Meatloaf song has a sports announcer calling out what sounds like an in the park home run that is not at all a thinly veiled allegory of sex? Oh, dear God. I'll be honest. I only know. Uh, 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 I would. Uh, God, I, I don't do even know the name of love? the song. Yeah. Uh, I would do anything for love. So, I know it's not that. Okay. Um, is it. Uh, this one's always a staple, like every karaoke place. You always have the like guy the, the girl. Let me sleep on it song. That is that is the song. It's called Paradise by a Dashboard there Light. There we go. And there's that breakdown towards cheeseburger the cheeseburger in paradise. Yeah, cheeseburger in paradise by the dashboard light. Yeah, there's just a whole bit in the middle there where you hear a baseball announcer being like, "Oh my god, it's a stolen base," and then you just hear like <laughs> like sexy noises in the background. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll have to karaoke that song sometime. Not yeah. the dashboard light song, but the cheeseburger in paradise. I, no, I would. Uh, um, I would do anything, do anything for love. For love. Uh, I think I do a mean meatloaf i won't do it right now but <laughs> well i mean you and i could both do paradise by dashboard light i'll sing the girl parts and sweet can, yeah it'd be great uh and you'll be like let me sleep on it. i'll be like no we'll talk about <laughs> you know. um yeah anyway so um uh what team does ferris bueller go see on his day off it's the cubs there you go there. which 
oddly enough, this is just, it's funny. Um, my wife is a huge Cubs fan. Like, she loves the Cubs. Um, and I believe either we were watching a biography on John Hughes or we were watching something on Ferris Bueller's particularly. Uh, but he was a Sox fan. <laughs> and the only reason they chose Wrigley was because I think it was a better filming location, something along those lines. So, yeah. like, deep down, he, because she was always like, she loved that it was the Cubs in yeah. secretly or. It, not even secretly, admittedly, he was like, "Yeah, I don't like the Cubs." <laughs> That's funny. I um, there's a movie uh, called Rookie of the Year, which I've not seen. Um, that has uh, it involves the Cubs, and the manager of that team is Gary Busey, and he uh, is a former baseball player in the movie called Chet Stedman. Oh. And his, his last name is spelled the same as mine. Nice. Never, never knew this until like after we lost the World Series to the Cubs, because now, because before that, I would have went out and got a, a, a Stedman jersey. <laughs> And I probably would have been a life. I probably would have been a Cubs fan, so knowing is that. The rookie of the year is he like a chimpanzee who plays baseball? I maybe it's. Oh. I mean, that's um, MVP, right? Most valuable primate. Oh, I think yeah. so. Um, but yeah, I would have been like, oh, that's sweet. But now living in Cleveland, I can never have a Cubs Chet Stebman jersey because I feel like that'd be like heresy. I mean, I mean time's passed at this point. It's right? been a couple years, and I would not feel comfortable wearing. The colors of the team that beat us in seven games. To, like, not that I'm like that big of a Cleveland like fan, but it's not like would I go and buy? I get it. Would it's, I buy like a Golden State Warriors jersey just because like I love the colors? Like, no, like that would not do that. You know, like I mean, I think the greatest sin that you could, you know, commit as a Clevelander would be to have a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers anything. Yeah. So I feel like people are less forgiving of the Cubs. Particularly since the Cubs had such a long stretch without they, winning, they had actually a longer stretch than we had, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, so. I just still I can't have I can't have my Chet Stebbins jersey. Um, all right, what is the the Major League Baseball team on Magnum PI's hat? Oh dear God, is it the Yankees? It's not the Yankees. Um, is it the Dodgers? It's not the Dodgers. Uh, it's not the Indians. No, it's the Detroit Tigers. He always said really? that D, that, that you know that. Older, yeah. yeah. I thought that would be one that you would know. You're like, yeah, but, you but Hopper think. never wore a hat, so we didn't know in the season of Stranger Things. <laughs> um, all right. Um, in the film Basketball, uh, the film that mashes up baseball and basketball, what was the name of the main basketball team that Trey Parker and Matt Stone were on? Um, I will make a confession. I've not seen this film. Really? Um, oh. So I'm going to say they were the California Orgasmos. <laughs> um Close. No, they were the Milwaukee Beers. Um, oh. There was uh, the, some of the team names there were like the Dallas Convicts, uh, the, the <laughs> San Francisco Ferries, and it showed like the steamboats. Like it was wrong. Like it's so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Miami Dealers. Like it was, I think, I think if I remember that's right. Like you need to watch baseball. I have it. Well, we should watch it sometime. It's a lot I of fun. I still have to watch Drop Dead Gorgeous. So. Uh, yeah, well, that too. But baseball is also fun. Um, all right. All right. Um, what is the name of the sports theme gang and the Warriors? Aren't they the Bronx? Uh, the Bronx Warriors? No. That, <laughs> no. Uh, that, Am I confusing? Uh... You're confusing the, the Bronx Warriors film for the movie The oh, Warriors. Okay. <laughs> um, um, which the Bronx Warriors was ripping off the Warriors, <laughs> yes. Uh, were they the uh, Mets? No, it was the, the Baseball Furies was the name of the gang. Wow. Have you seen The Warriors? I I feel like 
I have seen the Warriors, but I don't know. They they were dressed up like the Yankee, like the pinstripe Yankees, I think, but they had like makeup on their face, kind of like Kiss. Okay, and it was kind of like so the, it's a movie that's revered by a lot of people. I don't know that I've seen it past like the mid '80s, and maybe it's something I should revisit at some point. You should. It's good. It's just it's a film of its time, so there it definitely has some like weird qualities to it but okay. it's still like once you realize that the movie's set in like this like near future where like uh the New York has fallen into like this thing where gangs run these different territories because you're like well mm-hmm. this is a movie from the 70s it's like no it's supposed to be like the near future and you see all these just different gangs and it's like uh like especially uh because you and i watched the bronx warriors and we saw like the what was it the iron men which were those guys wearing the glitter and the top hats but they're the and dancing the gang sk- yeah, yeah. Th- there's a lot of that kind of weirdness in the warriors but maybe not roller skating but okay. well actually no there is a roller skating gang that shows up at a subway station that's fun like it's, it's a fun movie um anyway um so uh, let's see here. In the film Happy Gilmore, have you seen Happy Gilmore? Yes, I've okay. seen Happy Gilmore. What baseball-related activity does Happy do to get ready for the hockey tryouts next season? Ooh. Oh, it's been a while. I thought you were going to ask me like a question about losing your hand to an alligator. but uh... Well, this is right before he meets Chubbs because um, he's, uh, you know, he's... Uh, he just walks out of the tryouts or something. And is I, he at the batting cages? He's at the batting cages. He gets okay. in there and starts up the pitching machine and just takes the, the fastballs to the chest. Okay. And, that's... Then, and then he goes out and talks to Chubbs, but then that kid walks in and just take, gets one just drilled right in the face, I think. I feel like it's been a solid 15 years since I've seen Happy Gilmore, but yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah that, so there you go. You were right. Um, Speaking of product placement, a very big product placement for Subway, if I remember correctly. Yes. Also, Red Lobster, but not in a good way. So. <laughs> no. Hey, Shooter, look over Red Lobster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Subway one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Bo Jackson, one of sports' biggest two-sport athletes by playing both baseball and football, was in what Saturday morning cartoon? Bo Jackson was in a Saturday morning cartoon? <laughs> Um, I with Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. So really, okay. Oh, I thought you would have known. No. This. So my wife just recently found out that the uh, refrigerator Perry became a GI Joe. Yeah, and she's now obsessed with it. And I'm like, how did you not know this? And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, I have to have one, but they're like forty bucks. Like every time we try to find one on uh, eBay, yeah. She's like, I don't want to spend that much for Mike for Refrigerator Perry, but I just think it's great that he was a GI Joe. Yeah. So I'm going to show uh, you this uh, image of these guys. So it was, an, it, was, was it called the Pro Stars? Pro Stars. Yes. I I have vague memories of this now that I'm looking at it, but <laughs> I just like they're like, well, Bo Jackson's cool, Michael Jordan's cool. It's like. You know who we need? We need Wayne Gretzky. Like Wayne Gretzky, he's he's the great one. He's like the greatest hockey player to ever live. But it's yeah. like just like we gotta we gotta get we gotta get something. In here. Just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Gotta, we gotta get like I don't know. Can we get a white Canadian guy in here? People know him, right? Like it's just whatever. <laughs> but and I don't know what object they're holding there. But uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, to yeah. let you people know, it looks like, uh, it, looks oh, like it looks like it's Bo a boomerang. Oh, actually, it's, okay, it's, maybe has a bomb on it or something. I don't know. I don't think it's a dildo, but it definitely looks like a dildo. Um, so <laughs> anyway, pro stars. So there you go. I thought you would would have been aware of them. Um, all right, <laughs> what is the name of Robert Redford's bat in The Natural? Hint, it's also the name of a Tadacious D song. Uh, Explosivo? <laughs> no. <laughs> tribute? Uh, uh, no, it's, it's uh, the same album with Tribute. Blanker uh, Gently? Yeah, that's the name um, of the bat. Uh, Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, there, there was an episode of the Gary Shandling show where they made it the parody of the, of the natural, but it was him playing uh, ping pong. And, uh, <laughs> and so he talked about how like lightning struck a tree and he carved a, a paddle out of the tree. And instead of like, cause with, with wonder boy, it's like you know, burned in with the name. Yeah. He wrote Pat L on it. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like a lightning bolt that at one point it breaks. So this other kid, this, this kid's like, but I made one for you. And it pulls out a spare paddle. Like <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, yeah, we, we own, uh, the natural, but I don't think I've seen it since the late eighties. So we're learning a lot of films that you've not watched recently. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. We're almost done here. Um, actually yeah, I got two more, uh, in the Simpsons episode, Homer at the bat. All right. Uh, many professional baseball players played themselves. Most of them also had various tragedies happen to them during the course of the episode. <laughs> what fate befell Ozzie Smith? Oh man, um, was it? Did he get gigantism? No, that was, was Daryl Strawberry. That was uh, King Griffey Jr. for drinking the brain tonic. Okay, um, I know that uh, is it Jose Canseco who gets cut for his sideburns. No, that's um, oh, uh, oh shoot. Uh, no, it's not him. He's okay. the other guy. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, does he get pulled over by uh, by Wiggum? No, that's another one. But yeah, there's so, so a lot of them. Uh, oh wait, the, is he the one who who like works at the power plant and really enjoys it? And, no, but he's the. But that's um, oh, I forget that guy's name. But he ends up like getting like radiation sickness. But he just really wanted to work. He, yeah. Like, worked, he, like, <laughs> no, uh, Ozzy Smith falls into the the Springfield mystery spot. Oh, so okay. remember he just falls in and he's like like being a sightseer, but then as he's like ah, he snaps a picture real quick and he keeps going. <laughs> I forgot about that, and, which is amazing that I am able to name that many other plot points from that episode, yes. but for whatever reason, not that uh, one. And was if I remember right, um, Roger Clemens got hypnotized and think he was a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and because the question I was going to ask you is like, how did Homer win the game at the end? Do you remember that? Uh, well, his back gets broken, right? No, he takes a ball straight to the straight head. head. Yeah, and, he, and because there was a loaded bases, it's a forced walk, so they win because of the walk. But he was knocked out. So the but didn't he ha- also have like a Wonder Boy type back did. that get broken? He, okay. I, I don't know if it got broken, but yeah, he definitely because he talked about how what was it, he sought the shelter of a nearby tree during a thunderstorm while holding a piece of like uh, I alu- was aluminum siding over his head or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Ozzy Smith fell onto the Springfield mystery spot and they, asked, people asked about it. He was like, yeah, cause I like to do another episode where I come out. Like, <laughs> they be funny. Um, all right. Last question. What was the name of the opera singer Frank Drebin knocks out in the naked gun in order to get to the baseball uh, stadium to get inside oh, to start frisking players? It's not Pavarotti, is it? It's not Pavarotti. You're close, but um, I don't know. Enrico Palazzo, because he ends up like taking over as the umpire, and then eventually he takes right. the mascot. And everyone's like, "It's Enrico Palazzo." <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man! Apparently, there are a lot of movies from the '70s and '80s that I've seen, but not recently. <laughs> All right, so that was our um, super successful baseball quiz. I hope you guys enjoyed that. So again, next week, uh, talking about like how to self-publish and, and like you know, step one, come up with ideas. Step two, self-publish. Three, make a lot of money. So we're going to talk about how all that works out. Well, it'll be interesting for you to ask questions and sort of 
kind of dig in because I'm curious to know what your interest is in it in yeah. the sense that like you know what is it what are the questions that you would ask so. yeah for sure so it'll be fun so everybody have a good week uh this should come out on time i'm not going to buy another computer uh just <laughs> this one I, this one oh, better I last spilled uh, my beer all oh, over his no. computer yeah no that other one that was piecemeal together lasted seven years so i'm hoping this one you know lasts a while too so all right uh have a good week guys and um i don't know um go to scoops scoops ahoy and get the the uss butterscotch that looks pretty good. And if you stop into 7-Eleven, tell them you want a new Coke or go to hell.